Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another issue of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast recorded live at King's Comics in the back room, surrounded by old boxes and sticky tape. All right. My name is Levens. My name's Siobhan. And every week we read way too goddamn many comic books and let you know which are the good ones that you should be reading too. And you can get all of these comics, even the bad ones, at King's Comics um, at 310 Pitt Street in Sydney or at kingscomics.com. And there are no bad comics, just ones that are not necessarily for us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we should make that very clear. And uh, a little bit of a spoiler warning. We are going to be talking about what happened in all the comics that came out this week. So if you don't like spoilers, uh, I don't know, go read your comics first. Yeah. Um, we kick off every episode by uh, reviewing all of the brand new number ones that came out this week in a little segment that we like to call First Things First. And, uh, oh boy, there was a big, big number one coming out through uh, DC, through DC Rebirth this week, mm. uh, coinciding with their big movie release, and that is Suicide Squad Rebirth. Number one, uh, should we begin this discussion by talking a little bit about Suicide Squad the movie? Yeah, I mean, I feel like... Um I've, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've personally, not in podcast format, talked about this movie more than I ever want to talk about anything ever again. <laughs> um, and you you have been very vocal about it yep. and I, I, an article I, I, that you wrote. and um, I wrote an article that went, that went, went, went pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I called it 10 Reasons You Should Go See Suicide Squad and 4,000 Reasons You Shouldn't. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that I didn't hate it as much as you did. Um, I okay, think that there spoiler were definitely, alert, I hated it. Yeah, Thanks, spoiler Javon. alert, I hated it. Um, <laughs> and I didn't love it. I would struggle to say I liked it. Um, but there were definitely, I think, there were good things about it. There were definitely really, really good things. Viola Davis as Amanda Waller being the key amazing good thing about it. Um, definitely, I, I agree with you on I that. That was I wanted. I just want, I want a full, I want, I want a checkmate movie. The movie no one else wants. Yeah. I want a checkmate movie with Viola Davis. I, want, I just want them like a really, a really <laughs> low. Jim wants that too. A small budget, like you know, thriller mm-hmm. featuring her and maybe one other superhero. Threat, yeah, you know what I totally. mean. Totally. Like, use use her. She was she was easily the best thing in that movie. But for sure, uh, and Margot Robbie was very good, and Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang was very good. Yeah, there too. were lots of good performances in there. Jared Leto, maybe not so much, <laughs> but um, and uh, you know, a few of our. Favorite characters that we were looking forward to were pretty pretty wasted in the movie. Yeah. But it, it all comes down to, you know, why you go see a movie like this. If mm-hmm. you go solely to see the, the spectacle of all of these big heroes punching other, other other heroes and villains in the face, then maybe that's all you need out of a, out of a movie like this, and fair enough, and, totally. and, and people will like it. Um, uh, 
uh, someone commented on our, I posted up uh, my, my review in, in the Serious Issues page and someone commented saying that I was in the small majority of people who didn't like it. So I'm not sure what he means by that. The majority <laughs> of tiny people. Um, oh yeah, true. I'm pretty short. That's a lot. I'm, I'm regular. Leave me yes, alone, commenter. I'm short. Um, but yeah, look, I just think if you, I mean, as someone that, like, I'm not a DC over a Marvel, a Marvel guy or over a DC mm. guy. You know, I, I probably, my favorite characters generally are DC characters. Yeah. And my favorite comics that got me into comics to begin with are generally all DC comics. Uh, but I just think from a, a film level, like this, I wanted to walk out of this movie just because it made me like, you know, like hit my head. Mm. The amount of times characters would say stupid cliche dialogue, like, mm. I got this. Yeah. And like, ooh, that's a killer app. And like, yeah, some the kind of suicide squad. It was, uh, it was just like, it just felt like a massive misstep and not, again, like a huge failure for DC trying to launch this huge shared mm. universe that was just this incoherent mess that wasn't wasn't a movie it just felt like i mean i've heard people describe it as a two and a half hour long trailer for itself yeah and then the, it did the, feel like that well and then it w- w- the it's come out that it was actually edited it was re-edited um by the same people that edited together the really well-received trailer mm. yeah it definitely feels like that I, I think for me it just felt mostly like a wasted opportunity like it's such a it's such an amazing concept they had such great actors and doing amazing performances and they have like this whole backlog of amazing Suicide Squad stories to draw on and it just yeah it just felt a bit of a letdown yeah me. Um, an article's come out today that uh, John Ostrander, who uh, who is kind of responsible for the Suicide Squad as we know it, um, created Amanda Waller. That's right. Um, he he came out and and gave a pretty glowing review of Suicide Squad, which I was not expecting. I thought if anyone was going to hate it, it would be him. But I think you know, and fair enough, he's entirely entitled to his own opinion. So you know, color me color me wrong for mm. uh, just for for guessing that he would hate it more than anyone. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like you know, I'll, I'll talk about it more in 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 full. Uh, angry detail uh, on my on my much more angry podcast, Hey Fam, which you can find on iTunes. But uh, in, this, is, this is a podcast about comic books. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Suicide Squad Rebirth number one, written by Rob Williams and uh, drawn by Philip Tan. Now, this run of Suicide Squad, um, I guess, kind of got the most hype because they've locked in Jim Lee as the regular artist. Although, <laughs> how regular that, that means... Is, uh, is, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, fine. People okay. still love Ghibli. Whatever. Okay, and uh, so I just want to point out that, um, that yeah, Siobhan may have been the more positive one when we were reviewing Suicide Squad, the movie. But uh, hey, what did you think of this comic book, <laughs> Siobhan? Oh, no, I also thought it was really good. Um, <laughs> I mean, what a, yeah, it's massively not for me. Um, <laughs> that's, the, new um, way, that's a new way of saying, saying something fucking sucks, right? This was so not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't understand. It's not an especially, like, interesting a well-written version of Harley Quinn. I feel like they can't decide whether she's actually crazy or pretending to be crazy, and they've clearly borrowed heavily from the movie version. Like, the the first panel looks like it's a, a shot from the movie. I'm pretty sure that happened, didn't it? No, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, wait, keeping oh, her in, like, a okay. weird Oh, no, she's just headbutting she... someone. So, on the front page, she's, like, it looks like she's... I, I thought she'd oh, bitten like, off a, a police officer's ear. I thought she was biting off his ear, too. Okay, right. Well, she definitely doesn't bite off an ear in no. uh, in in the movie. I really right? wasn't paying that much attention, right? Um, <laughs> no wonder you didn't hate it as much as I did. I um, mean, this this I mean, people are excited because this comic sees Rick Flagg returning to lead the squad, which um, that's kind of cool. That's a cool thing. I think that you need that character. That, otherwise, yeah, it's just trying to keep him in check. Otherwise, it's just madness. Um, 
I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, <laughs> I love, I love so much reading non-Australians versions of what they think Australians sound like. And Captain Boomerang is always the best version of this. Like they use Australian slang that I don't think has been used since like the seventies, um, which is always good fun. The- like he's, he calls them septics, which I'm, I'm, I think is Cockney rhyming slang. Sep- septic tank for yank. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a Cockney rhyming slang is not even that Australian. They, frequently write Captain Boomerang as if he's Cockney. Um, I mean, that's not the worst thing about this comic, though, is it? No. I mean, like, we also know that Rebirth Comics, these issues just kind of set up the status quo and aren't necessarily... They almost feel like the add-on that maybe the you know the the, the creators have already put together like mm. the actual story that this 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 comic is going to put together and they're like oh okay now I have to do like a number one issue before this so there is a, it's almost like a zero issue totally um but uh so I'm still going to read yeah. Suicide Squad number one I didn't because we have I did to. not really enjoy this but I you know I, I kind of I, I enjoyed how kind of silly it was the whole way yeah through. and there was like there were there were a couple of moments that I thought were good like um that really show you what the squad's about like the fact that um, this guy's like assuming that they're going to save him, but in, like they take the easy way out and just cut off his hand to to stop a bomb going off and let him die. Like I thought that was no, quite they, a... they don't let him die. They kill oh. him. Oh, they kill him. Right. Deadshot well. shoots him in the head. Well. <laughs> so yeah. But I mean, you know, that's 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 pretty extreme um, and cool, I guess. I thought I don't know. I thought it was pretty shit dialogue. Like Deadshot kills someone and then says, "I don't miss." But it wasn't like anyone was asking him, like, "Hey, Deadshot, are you going to miss shooting this guy in the head?" <laughs> Um, also, I, I really, really hate this iteration of Deadshot's um, costume and armor. It's a, yeah, he looks, it looks really stupid. He looks more like Ocean Master than he does Deadshot. Like he looks like don't you think he looks like quite like like, like one of Aquaman's villains? Like he looks like aquatic, like he's part yeah. fish. Yeah, it's not. Is he, is he part fish now? Hmm. We'll have to <laughs> let's read on and find out. And I feel like this yeah, is someone so. else's like you know forced interpretation of of Jim Lee's new. New way new of design. drawing. He loves fucking up the costumes so much. It's like his part, like pet, pet project. Yeah, Jim yeah. Lee. hates good costumes. Um, but yeah, I'll read the first F issue. Why not? Yeah, sure. Um, it looks like we're going to get a few other um, characters who we've seen in alongside, who we've seen in the movie. It looks like uh, Enchantress and Katana. And Killer Croc uh, looks like in the background too. Is that he's got? It looks like a big piranha. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's Jim oh, Lee's yeah. new iteration. Maybe, uh, yeah, Deadshot is is a fish. And um, Killer Croc is a piranha. In fact, all the Suicide Squad are fish now. Thanks, Jim Lee. <laughs> uh, we also got Harley Quinn number one. Um, this is just a regular issue. Um, Man. Under the rebirth. What banner. a great Amanda Connor cover. Great Amanda Connor cover. And it, look, it almost looks less Amanda Connor and more Tim Sale. Yeah, she's getting like more and more sort of um, refined and, and like in her line work and stuff, which I think is really cool. And I wish she was doing interiors again. But instead, she's, she's writing it. Yeah, alongside her, um, alongside um, Jimmy Palmiotti, um, both of whom have, have been responsible for lots of comics that I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, like the Power Girl um, yep. series from quite a few years ago, and Palmiotti did. Uh, although they, that was Garth Ennis with Amanda Connor. Yeah, but still, great Amanda Connor. <laughs> um, and uh, Palmiotti's did a really great Jonah Hex run. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of other great stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I really, really hated this comic. Yeah, I mean, it was just mad. Like this is supposed to be sort of reintroducing us to the status quo and this the harley quinn sort of family has clearly expanded dramatically since i last read a harley quinn comic and i found this like super hard to follow because there's just such an unbelievably huge cast of characters like there's her roller derby team and then her crew of assassins and then this just random yeah. other hangers there's, on there's a, dude a, page, a big egg like there's a page in which she 
she introduces like no joke like like 25 new characters yeah um and it just wasn't it wasn't that fun to read really um also, I mean, we were talking about this before, but how old is Harley Quinn supposed to be? And it's such, it's two very different versions of the same character so, like, that we've seen. So, so different. From Suicide like, Squad to Harley Quinn, it's it's very, very different. Like, uh, the, the, it, it, it feels like two completely different characters. Like, they want this, like, unhinged psychopath in Suicide mm. Squad. Because, you know, if, if without that, she's kind of not really valuable yeah. on the Suicide Squad. Like. It, and then, and then, but in her own comic, she's like this lovable, ne- lovable do well kind of like circus performer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I like that they've. I like the Harley Ivy relationship. I sort of like that continuation, and um, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, Amanda Commoner is definitely like you know, uh, she definitely is is really capable of of uh, of kind of doing a classy sexiness mm, of, totally. of joining these characters in skimpy clothing, and there's she really, really, I don't know, she builds on that pinup. Pinup kind of, mm. uh, you know, she's very cheesecakey, and I definitely. love definitely. But th- so th- th- this is drawn by um, uh, what's his name, uh, Chad Harden, and the first page is like her and her and Poison Ivy, just like at various points of nudity as they go in a spa and yeah, they're having a girls' day, just overly sexualizing <laughs> this this girls' day. Yeah, it's not, and like if. It would have been such a different comic if Amanda Connor had drawn it. Like you can imagine that she would be able to make that sexy and fun and playful, but not massively. It just feels a bit gross, and that, yeah. was, my, that was my biggest complaint of Harley Quinn in totally. in in the, in the movie as well. Mm. Was that like you know even though as good as Margot Robbie did of of, of portraying her, mm. the whole movie was just really gross. Yeah, in the way it kind of you know the different actors acted towards her, and mm-hmm. in just in the way the camera was just always kind of aimed at her butt. Absolutely, like Harley Quinn is going to always be like a bit of a sexy character. That's you can't really sort of take that away f- out of her. Um, but there's ways of doing that that are less gratuitous and less male gazy that um, worked totally. a bit better. I, they definitely, I, I like that. You know, they just kind of like write off that. You know, we've never really seen in in the regular DC continuity. Outside of the animated series and and the comics based of the animated series, we've never really have we ever seen comics that feature Joker and Harley in a relationship? Because I feel like you only have a panel that's like we used to be in love and now we're not, and that's that. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, um, it's a it's like as as Suicide Squad movie um, proved, it's a really tricky thing to get right in terms of like them being in a abusive well, relationship t- and having her not seem like a victim. It and- worked in the animated series because the Joker, you know, even though he was a you know one of the main criminals mm. in the animated series, he never really outright killed people. No, and he was really slapsticky and it was funny even when he was sort of throwing her out so, of the yeah, window. So like, yeah, you know, he's she's just in love with this lunatic in yeah. that. But then when you bring him bring her over to a universe in which, you know, this Joker cuts his face off and kills an mm. entire city, mm. like you can't it's it's troubling being in love with that person totally um anyway i i wish they would do they would retell her origin where like the joker is actually obsessed with harley quinn mm. and, and and it's not about her being obsessed it's about him and, and mm. pushing it to like that's a more believable story and less problematic definitely way less problematic anyway um this comic um after introducing and um all these new characters and kind of reminding us what harley quinn's origin story we then have, I guess, maybe this is a character that's been in in the Harley Quinn run that Amanda mm. Connor and Palmiotti have been doing. It feels like a DC analogy of Deadshot, of Deadpool, sorry. Makes a lot of sense. Deadpool, but he's a guy who, who only talks, every every all of his speech bubbles are different um, tools. tools? Yeah, so like a screw or a saw. He's like tool based. He's like, Yeah, tool man, tool bag. I don't know what the hell his actual name is. Tim and, Taylor, the tool man. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Jim it, does the best. Jim, I'm going to give Jim a mic right now for a, for a Tim the Taylor. Beautiful. It's amazing, right? It's incredible. Everett, ladies and gentlemen, Jim. Blah, 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 blah. Just a little, <laughs> <laughs> just a little look into the daily life in the King's Comics back room. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 after building up our expectations for, for for who Harley Quinn is, and you know, this massive team that she deals with, it then kind of gives us this real low stakes cliffhanger. Yeah, I know. And I just like, I was like, you know what? I don't care what happens next. So yeah. even though I'm, I'm, I didn't really love Suicide Squad Rebirth and I'll still read number one of that, I don't, don't think I'm going to read number two of Harley Quinn. Yeah, me neither. But I don't think so. that said, more than any other comic on the shelves this week, mm-hmm. this comic, not for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it definitely has a, you know, uh, Harley yeah, Quinn is a such, a, such a massive star in her own right now. Absolutely. Like, I mean... Um, Harley Quinn regularly outsells most other titles now. She is she is a huge book after Batman, deal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 if you listen, anyone listening right now is a big Harley Quinn fan, I would love to hear what the appeal of of being a long term Harley Quinn fan is, and are you happy with this iteration totally. that we're currently reading? Because I mean, I love like I love the Paul Dini Bruce Tim version, but I've I've struggled to really enjoy Harley Quinn in any other um, in any other comic. Oh wait, I was going to say Gotham City Sirens, but Paul Dini wrote that. Yeah, totally. I loved her in that. That's, yeah, that's that's an incredible book about her and Poison Ivy and Catwoman. And Catwoman like trying to live together. And mm. That's super fun and mm. and you know just great. Yeah, that's a great book. I wish I'd bring that back and do it well. Totally. Um, cool. So those are the the big DC Rebirth titles this week. Was there any more? Uh, no, that was all. The, that was all the DC number ones. That's wow. crazy. Um, there was a Marvel number one this week um, <laughs> that. Uh, I I felt bad for loving as much as I did because <laughs> this is just the ultimate you know corporate synergy comic that yeah. should be terrible. The thing that everyone was like, so I remember when Disney first bought Marvel, everyone was like, oh, we're gonna start seeing Mickey show up in Iron Man, <laughs> and this is the first time that anything like close to that has happened. So. Yeah, so this is Marvel Sum Sum number one, and uh, a Sum or Sum is it Sum? I don't know how to pronounce it, but I don't know. If only we had Lynn here. Um, um but uh. You uh, they're, they're, if you ever go to Disneyland, there every single character is available in this uh, fun little sausage cube format. Mm. And uh, since D- Disney also owned Marvel, we're finally seeing Marvel Sums, and they're like these cute little soft toys that the the main appeal is that you can stack them on top of each other. Who doesn't love doing that? Uh, and so, as well as you know, f- introducing Marvel Sums onto the racks of their toy stores, Disney is also introducing them to the Marvel universe, and we have a a comic book in which a bunch of kids find some fallen space cargo that has been uh, not intercepted properly by the Guardians of the Galaxy and they allow this like car- mysterious cargo to fall down to Earth into a Manhattan rooftop and these three kids unearth these weird blank alien... Cute little doggy things. Cute little things. And then uh, they're, 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 these, the kids are obsessed with superheroes and a fight breaks out in, in Manhattan with the Avengers and all of the Sums take on the attributes of the superheroes and start flying and shooting and using all their powers mm-hmm. and basically just causing a big old mess. And um, it's actually it's actually pretty adorable. It's really really fun. Yeah. And like, I, I, like Siobhan and I both love goofy comics for kids. And, Absolutely. And this is Marvel. I mean, Marvel have you know the Guardians of the Galaxy comic, the Ultimate Spider-Man comic, and the Avengers Assemble comic, but for all ages. But they don't really appeal to me for some reason. <laughs> this appeals to me, and I'm like, I mean, the reason you should be picking this up if you are a comic book fan is because Chris Salmon did an incredible cover mm. in which the uh, heroes enlist the help of the various Sums to help, to uh, help them battle Venom and Green Goblin. Uh, I love Ant Man riding a big 
Zoom version of himself. Yep, hilarious. Uh, but yeah, this is just a baffling, strange comic that is a lot better than it deserves to be. Absolutely. I think that if you have um, kids who are really, really into the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and you have trouble finding stuff for them in the largely sort of adult Marvel universe, this is a great this is a great option. It made me feel... Um, it reminded me a little bit of like, Hey Arnold, the vibe, yeah, sure. because yeah, like totally. the kids all live in a building together and it's sort of New York set and they're all like having adventures and stuff. And it was, um, yeah, it was cute. I liked yeah. it. And the, I thought the dialogue for the kids was actually really believable and decent. Yeah, totally. Which is, uh, it should be celebrated whenever you read it. Jacob Chabot wrote this one with uh, art by David, David Baldion. Um, Very cute art too. Nice yeah. and cartoony. Loved yeah. it. Way better than I thought this was going to be. So this is a weird surprise of the week. Um, let's talk about Aftershock's big release for this week. Um, oh, God, we've got a new Ed Brubaker to talk about soon as well. Mm. Um, but I really, really love this comic. This is called Animosity, number one, written by Marguerite Bennett and art by Raphael De La Tour. Um, this reminded me a lot of the first issue of Why the Last Man, um, yep. Vertigo, years ago. This is about um, all of the animals in the world wake up and are able to communicate and basically like... Gain consciousness. Gain consciousness and are aware of what humans have been doing them to them for all their lives. Mm. And uh, it has this beautiful... We talked about it last week on the show in the preview, but you have these... The first six pages are um, two double-page like double page spreads of just various stages of the, of the animals gaining consciousness and mm. what happens next. And, um, you know, some of them... Are, find love and express love for the, the humans they're surrounded, whereas others decide to kill them. Mm. And uh, so you have this crazy, basically like you, you, you it, the, the, the um, protagonist uh, is, a, is a young girl and her family um, and their pet dog um, who, who has been treated really well by the family. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to protect them while animals all around the world want to destroy all humans. And so the, I guess the adventure will be them trying to survive in a world where animals want to kill humans. Absolutely. I mean, it's like like an incredibly sort of brilliant high concept book and so well told in this issue. Like those those sort of three um, opening double page spreads. So, so clever. Such um, an economic way to tell exactly what's happened really, really quickly. Um, yeah, really brilliant. I'm super excited yeah, definitely. to keep reading this. Um, Garth Ennis did a book called uh, Red Rover Charlie or Rover mm-hmm. Red Charlie last year um, that is similar in theme. It's the, the, like the uh, the end of the world told from told from uh, or, the, or the end of the you know humans in the world told mm-hmm. from the point of view of three dogs yeah. and uh, basically all, 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 all humans kill themselves for no reason in the first issue and then it kind of follows the, the lives of these dogs trying to escape humans and, and live amidst other wild animals mm. now that there's a, a world without humans. Um, <clears throat> it starts out really great but then it, um, Garth Ennis' love of being disgusting mm. uh, on Earth about midway through the book and kind of going derails the, the story. But uh, Matt, Matt, who um, works at King's Hall. Just stopped working at Kings. Loved that series, and he always said because I'm not the biggest like, Garth Ennis fan. He said that like the emotional heart of it really it really pays off at the end, um, as Garth Ennis books usually do. Yeah, he, but he, I also yeah. I can't quite get through the grossness. The grossness the it always yeah it always derails some of his best work. Mm. Um, Ed Brubaker put out a new book with his uh, frequent collaborator um, artist Sean Phillips, probably my favorite comic book artist of all time. Wow, the that's only cool. the only comic book artist that I've bought of one of those time? goofy um, like comic book artist like. Oh, the hardcover. artist edition? Uh, no, no, like the, um, you know, it's just like a, a history of, of him as oh, an artist. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dynamite put it out years ago. Amazing. Um, and uh, with their their colorist, um, Elizabeth Breitweiser, um, it's called Kill or Be Killed. 
and uh, it is very unlike anything that Ed mm. Brubaker has ever done. Um, it's a, a, a story of a, of a vigilante killer um, who's possessed. I mean, I, 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 I'll leave it at that. He's, he, you know, he, he's not, not necessarily possessed, but there is a, the there's a, there's a, there's a demon influence, which I was not expecting. Like the whole way through, all. the comic seems like just a straight up crime, um, then like revenge against the world sort of character piece. But there is a supernatural drive behind, and we'll leave it at that. No, no need to spoil it any more than that. Uh, that but came, it is completely brilliant. It's it's incredible. I mean, like they they are two master. Especially when they work together, Absolutely. two masters, um, and you know we, we've we've sung praises of the fade out and criminal in the past, and uh, this is completely. I was expecting something very similar to those books mm-hmm. because uh, those books, and even um, I mean, if you read Incog- Incognito, which is like their take on like the pulp genre, oh, um, even though they feel like you know, even though the themes of Incognito are quite far out, it still feels similar in tone. Whereas mm-hmm. this is just. Completely different. Although the main character, he could he, this could exist as a criminal story, but yeah, the, I mean, uh, it's still like it's still very firmly in the sort of crime genre, which is what they generally tend to work in. Um, but it's 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 not you know it's not explicitly noir. It's not um, yeah, it's it's not like something I've seen Ed Brubaker do before, and I'm I'm super geeked about it. Yeah, and I we, we complain a lot about first issues with way too much expositional text told through a first person narration, but this does it really, really well. Yeah, and because um, it's a it's a really unique voice, and you feel like you get to know him really quickly like that. Definitely, and he and he's narrating it because it jumps back and forth through time, mm. um, and it, you know you need that as a device to 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 link all those different time periods together. Um, yeah, I, I really love this book. It mm-hmm. was unlike anything I've ever seen Ed Brubaker do mm-hmm. and extremely excited for number two. I mean, if you're listening right this right now, I, I would hope that you uh, would have picked this up, this book anyway yeah, because totally, everything we did sell these out two also. creators do is, uh, is, is worth, worth reading. Hopefully worth there'll be a second printing. We've got to assume. I'm sure there would be. Um, it's also like a, a nice big oversized book for just three ninety nine US. So Absolutely, and the best thing about it. image books, no ads, all right. Yeah, it is. Very, so refreshing very after yeah. you've read something which has like... You know, interrupts a double page spread with an ad for... Yeah, well, the only ads at the back are ads for other books these guys have read. Um, and uh, incentive to um, to pick up all Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' books uh, in, in, in print and single issues is uh, there's always a, uh, a section at the end in which they get a friend mm-hmm. or a write, write a friend of theirs to recommend uh, various other mediums in the, in the crime genre. So in this one, we get um, Devin Faraci um, recommending the film uh, Death Wish, Featuring Charles Bronson, which is mm. a classic. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely worth getting getting this book. Kill or be killed. Looking forward to the second issue. This absolutely. is an excellent first issue by a team that are very well known for their excellent first issues. Mm, absolutely. Um, Lady Killer number one, uh, out through Dark Horse. Mm. So this is the second series of Lady Killer, um, written and drawn by Joelle Jones, and um, uh, colors by Michelle Madsen. Man, Joelle Jones is pretty brilliant right she's so good and i've only really ever uh read books that she's done the art i've never read anything she's actually read mm. i've never read the first series of lady killer but i'd feel like i didn't miss out on anything totally with the story going straight into this one i think if you understand like the basic concept which is like she's a lady assassin um who, who, yeah yeah exactly who also like it's like set in the 50s and she you know hosts tupperware parties yeah so she you know she plays a housewife by day dangerous assassin mm-hmm. also by day <laughs> <laughs> um and i i also hadn't read the first um the first story arc and i totally understood what was going on here which i think is yeah amazing work for um a second first issue of a second story arc. So, and to sing the praises as much as I can of of, of this issue, mm. I really want to go back now and read that first arc. 
um, and 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 because I just I love this first issue so much. The one like, man, I'd never thought I would say, but that panel of the old lady sitting on the toilet so well drawn amazing <laughs> and that whole sequence so funny and like oh man she draws amazing gore and really like really good characterization and like unique faces and absolutely and, and, and you have a very comedy a very pretty setting um mm. drawn incredibly well and using you know a lot of pinks a lot of pastel colors and then juxtaposed by these moments of extreme violence and mm. gore um, and and it's told, you know, it's very very black humor. Um, she she gets rid of her first victims by cutting up their bodies and stuffing them into tough Tupperware containers. Um, and it's really really humorous seeing her interact in like you know 1950s society, mm-hmm. knowing that she is a, a cold blooded killer. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this series goes, and I'm excited to see what came before it too. Totally. Um, you read. A few. Yeah, I said you didn't read two of the dumbest comics we've read in a while. <laughs> yeah, I decided that. Sorry, was not like... dumbest. Two of the not for usest <laughs> comics in a, in, a, in a while. Um, two comics that with evil at the start of their title. Mm. Um, I've never read an evil Ernie comic before, Me and either. I never will again. <laughs> this uh, came out through Dynamite through their Chaos imprint. Um, evil Ernie is uh, like I guess like a demon that has a, a badge that talks to him. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I picked this up because it was written by Justin Jordan, who I really like on um, uh, Luther Strode mm-hmm. and um, Dead Body Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different books. We, 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 we raved about um, a new number one that he put out through Boom last week uh, about the, uh, the cops in Mexico. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but this is him doing a character that is just not for me at all. With uh, I mean, Evil Nerd, Ernie, I always think of him in the same vein as like, Lady Death and those characters who were really huge in the 90s and Spawn. metal fans still love them for some reason so they keep being um, keep being rebooted keep being put out I mean I feel like I've seen the return of Evil Ernie at least three times since I started working at King so um, there's apparently still some appeal well I mean the, the, the there was a level of I was interested enough from the story and the dialogue that's not the problem with this the problem is the art isn't very evocative and doesn't really do much for the story. You kind no, of just get lost weird. in what's happening. It's quite muted and... and uh, it looks very static. It doesn't look like it's um amazing story. Yeah, it's, it's like beautifully painted, but doesn't really aid aid the story. It's not, mm. it's not well, well... It's not good storytelling through, yeah. through, through art. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't hooked on this, so I doubt I'll be reading issue two of Evil Ernie God Eater. I think we can all forgive that. Um, I also read Evil Heroes, E-V-I-L, I'm sure, I assume that's, that, that that stands for something, but uh, I don't know. Uh, this one came out through Xenoscope. This is also the first ever Xenoscope comic I've ever read, and I was expecting a whole lot more boobs yeah. than I got in this issue. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, no boobs. Um, this is a uh, a pretty lazy, uh, uh, different different world iteration of the Justice League deciding to kill everybody. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it, that's it's, never been done before. But it's quite well drawn. Um, it's written by um, written by. I don't even know. It doesn't even say. It's written by no one and drawn by no one. Here it is. Uh, Joe Brusher. It's written by Joe Brusher with um, art by Eric J and Christian Krizam Zamora. Um, and the art's really great. Um, and the story is actually kind of fun. Uh, just in one of those, you know, dumb superheroes killing everybody. And uh, what are the few humans left on Earth going to do about it? Right. Okay. I'm actually going to read all of this. I, oh, nice. I kind of liked it. It's good. Um, yeah. I don't know. Evil heroes. I, I, I'm for some whatever reason. I'm I'm not sick of 
like kind of boring uh, other world versions and other other interpretations of Justice League and it is and always funny. I always like going through and being like, so that guy's clearly Superman and that guy's clearly Batman, but who's that guy? <laughs> there's one like there's a big Egyptian god. Yeah, like, that's well, to the be Egyptian gods might maybe the ones. Fate? The, the, the Egyptian gods are the ones responsible for for these right. events. Okay. I think. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty fun. Well, that's cool. I'm I'm glad. Um, it's interesting to see Xenoscope sort of branching out in terms of what they do because the majority of what they do is like sexy versions of um, fairy Alice tales. in Wonderland and stuff like, like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool if they're doing something different. No, you can I'm see a, a a different version of Superman pummel through the earth. At Hell one yeah! Point, from one end to the other. Cool. Create a big hole in the, in the world. Sucked in world. <laughs> you got a hole in you now. Um, evil heroes. I'm going to read the issue too. And finally, last number one we're going to talk about this week is uh, Jeff Steinberg, Champion of Earth by mm. Joshua Hale Fialkov and art by Tony Fleeces. Fleeks? Tony on Fleeks. Um, this is like a really dated, goofy comic book. Yeah. I I was really surprised that it was written this year because it felt like something that Kevin Smith wrote in the 90s. Totally. It, definitely. If you have watched the Clerks animated series, mm. this feels like a really low rent version of that. Yeah, I mean, he works in a video shop. Yeah. Like, and, um, that's just, not a thing that really even exists anymore, and there is, for comedy purposes. And there is a poo joke that takes up the first half of the entire comic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I mean, he's got like, this is this, <laughs> I feel like I should start by saying this is very much not for me. Like, I don't <laughs> like Kevin Smith. If you like Kevin Smith movies and that kind of vibe, go for it. But, like, but I'm not, sick of the like... Not the heart and kind of soul of, of Kevin Smith movies, just the crude jokes. And like... He has a a bitch girlfriend who's cheating on him, and all women are whores. Fuck <laughs> everything. Like I just, yeah, I have I have zero interest in this. I will not be continuing to read it. Fuck this comic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's about um, a real loser being picked as someone that has to prove to a bunch of aliens that the Earth is worth saving. This is also the second comic that has Obama in it. This week. This week, really? I, I don't Suicide Squad was in... Uh, Obama was in Suicide Squad? He was too. At the beginning, was, telling Amanda really Waller that you cannot do Suicide Squad anymore. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, even though even though that was pretty bad, it was a lot better than he was the way he was represented in, in this in this comic. Yeah, it's not a very nice version of Obama. Only press what you're doing putting this one out. <gasps> I mean, yep. And Joshua Halfiakov, we've, we've, we've said has done good comics in the past too. I, I just I don't, don't know. I don't, it's not very funny to me. No. It reminded me a lot of that smoosh comic we had to read. Totally, totally. Really... Man baby stuff. Yep. Not interested. Sorry, guys. Not for us. Um, over to the issues that are not first things first. That <laughs> segment is over. And now we're going to read. We're going to start with DC, then do Marvel, and then do Image and Other. Um, DC this week, uh, should we talk about what we loved first? Yes, let's do that. Um, that seems nicer. I am still loving Tom King's Batman. It uh, is still good. I this I feel like for me, this was the weakest episode uh, issue of the bunch. Right, so I st- I'm still really enjoying. I mean, like, I, I I get why you would have a problem with this. In that, like, I was kind of expecting to see Batman work alongside Gotham and Gotham Girl um, for a few issues where they were actually of use before something bad happened yeah. to one of them or because of one of them. Uh, but, but it just felt like he was building something cool, and it feels a little bit rushed. Well, we have only seen one of those two members go bad. Mm. Maybe this whole story is a setup to make Gotham Girl. A regular hero in, in maybe the it DCU. seems like she's lost her mind in this. <laughs> um, yeah, she's given she's given Juga she's a little bit she's a little bit crazy now. Yeah, um, one thing I want to point out in this and this is very uh, inside podcast baseball. Nice, but um, another podcast about comic books that I highly recommend is called I Fanboy, and each week they point out uh, 
when heroes say the most cliched point part of dialogue that all comic book heroes say at some point in their lives. I got this. Nice. And Tom King at this point, um, uh, he, he, he finally has uh, Duke Thomas say, I got this. But it, just before he says that, there is a, um, a panel of him looking at different names of people who um, are being targeted by the bad guy in this book. And he actually lists the names of the hosts of iFanboy. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Connor and Flanag- Josh Flanagan and Richards all written in there. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that at some point we, we, we get to the level of uh, podcast notoriety. Uh, they just did like... 500 episodes oh wow so we've got we've got at least 10 years to, yeah. to, to, to try and get featured in a uh, in a hugely mainstream dc comic that's so a goal any creators listening right now just you know just if you want to put up yeah. our names in there somehow my name's super hard to spell <laughs> coombs <laughs> yeah coombs. there's two o's <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really, really loved uh, Tom King's Batman is great. And it is still good. You know what? I should stop calling it Tom King's Batman. David Finch is still really fucking great on this book and was what we were kind of dreading in a way. Yeah, I was really... Because I have not liked him in the past and I was really like, it's going to be really boring. But um, yeah. he's really he's really killing it. That, that gross, sketchy quality of... Um, of uh, Jim Lee's, that was my least favorite thing about his art. I, I mm. get he's an amazing artist. He's mm. incredible. He's done some amazing stuff, Jim Lee. I get. I love the X Men stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. It feels like incredible. As good as that, that that real nineties pro like pre image stuff gets mm. is, is is Jim Lee drawing X Men characters. But I just he hasn't modernized his own style at all. Yeah. You don't really see those you know really sketchy sharp corners on faces and stuff like that anymore and, and you saw it all over the Philip Tan artwork in Suicide Squad. David Finch is I, I would put him in the same realm. He's yeah. not quite as old as Jim Lee but he's, but he's, co- he's heavy on the crosshatch. Definitely but it, that's not in this like the ink uh, maybe I don't know if, I it, think, if it's I think Finch a, or the ink. Like, to be honest I think a lot of it comes down to how it's been inked and coloured yep. and that's just like I think that's just brilliant you know yeah. like this book is an example of every part of it working so well together and just every person on that team really bringing their a game definitely um, yeah and yeah it just it's it's amazing yeah i really really like this book a lot and um, I'm, I'm wondering how many how many issues finch has got in the can because we're four issues in so far and he hasn't missed one mm, it's true it's amazing he must just be not be sleeping um i also really enjoyed superman number four um, by Pete Damasi and returning artist Patrick Gleason. He's, he's so good. He's uh, absolutely the, the the number one best thing about this comic. Um, the story managed to turn something that we weren't too sure about last issue, the the presence of the Eradicator and mm-hmm. the death of Crypto. Um, he managed to turn it into something, both of them, Damasi and Gleason, managed to turn that into something really kind of sweet and beautiful in absolutely. this. And the, the emotional emotional level of this of this issue was was awesome and really unexpected it was like eradicator is not a good villain and so, like someone who just tracks down kryptonian genes and d- eradicates them well yeah so he is, is, is he wants to destroy all kryptonians or he just want, or does he want to preserve kryptonians within within him so that they may be nowhere else i think i think it's a yeah. little bit of both i don't know but uh i i really enjoyed where they went with this story and and i i i think just i mean in, in one panel, the part where... So, John Kent, who is Clark and Lois Lane's son, mm. has uh, earlier in this series picked up a hoodie, a Superman hoodie, because um, mm-hmm. as a way of paying tribute to his dad, who's now outed himself as Superman in this world. And he's been wearing it kind of over his clothes for the last couple issues. And in this one, he sees his dad getting pummeled by the Eradicator, and Lois 
says like, listen to me, you know, you're not this like inferior Kryptonian as the Eradicator is telling Superman you are. You know, you have mm. the best of both worlds inside of you. You can be great. Choose to be. And then he zips up the hoodie mm. so he has the full Superman logo on his chest and then goes and fights crime. It goes and, you know, smashes the Eradicator. It's so great. It's so great. And I mean, that's the best, like the best Superman stories because we all know like he can punch harder than anyone else. Um, that's not really up for debate. You want like... You want a story with a really solid emotional core. And Absolutely. I think that's what they do really well. Well, Superman's best best thing about him is his heart. You know, the heart behind us. You, you can't do a good Superman story without a heart. It's why, it's why you trust him. It's why he's allowed to exist as Superman being the ridiculously overpowered creation that he is because he has moral authority over us. And that's how he should be written yeah. always. And then um, up, after that panel that I just described, uh, you then get John and Clark Kent, a.k.a. the Superman, punching the heck out of Eradicator's face, like just kind of smushing his entire face from so a double good. punch. And it says, Fracoom. It's a good, that's, that's a good, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a good a, that's sound. an automatic Someone. sound. I've never heard anyone say Fracoom when they punch someone. You um, haven't yeah. been in enough fights. This series, um. I, also, I also really loved it. You also introduced to someone who is uh, a ma- owns a bar and is a massive fan of Superman and collects anything that has anything to do with Superman. Well, these are both old characters. Really? Um, I found out Bippo is like Superman's biggest fan and he's been a character since like the um, 40s, I think. And the owner Bebo. of the bar is um, Hacken, who yep. was in um, Garth Ennis's Hitman run, right. I believe. Um, so that's cool. That's a fun little piece of like Superman trivia. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I really, really enjoyed this. Um, yeah. It's a good fun. And I, yeah, I really can't express enough how much I love Patrick Gleason. Like, cause I know I didn't like the last issue as much because it didn't have Patrick Gleason on it. Yep. And I, I, I wish that they weren't doing double shipping just so that we could get a totally uninterrupted run. Well, which, is what, which is what Batman and Robin was. I, so I reckon beautiful. you should go back and, and, and read it all. I know I need to you, now. You'd really, really love it. But it's also because this is so brightly colored and so poppy and so um, fun, you know, mm-hmm. he makes it look so fun, and yeah, that's so, what I want from a Superman book. Uh, Tomasi and Gleason's Batman and Robin Rum was about first a, a Batman trying to connect with his son, and then and then a Batman trying to to win to get his son back after mm. Robin died. Whereas this Superman run is still about fatherhood, but it's about including mm. your son in what you do, a, a son who already loves and trusts you, mm. and and making him a part of the world that you don't want him to be a part of. Mm. Really, really cool themes. Really, really, really great heart behind this book. Absolutely. And now we talk about the books we didn't like. <laughs> because, uh, oh, no, wait. There's Nightwing, one more. Nightwing. Nightwing. Phew. Woo. Um, I, I said I didn't really like issue number one of Nightwing, but I loved issue two, and it made me appreciate what I didn't like in number one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this whole arc is called Better Than Batman, which is something that I missed in issue, two, issue one. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that he includes it in the sort of... Dialogue, dialogue. overarching dialogue. So this is uh, written by Tim Seeley um, with art by Javier Fernandez. Who's doing uh, a great job. They both are. It's awesome. This is a great mm. book. Um, the, all the Bat books are really good. Yeah, they're, they're really nailing the Batverse um, in um, this. And, and that said, you know, Superman's great and Action Comics is pretty good too. Yeah. So hopefully we get, we get Superwoman this week and mm-hmm. then Supergirl too. Hopefully all the super books are good too. Absolutely. Um, it's the least we can ask for DC, please. Come on. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Nightwing is in Moscow and um, he's having to collaborate um, at the request of the Court of Owls with a character called Raptor who claims to be better than Batman. Um, he's like an extreme version of Batman because he'll kill you. Yeah. And uh, so, so Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, is trying to convince 
the court of owls that he's still being brainwashed by them. Mm-hmm. In, it's not brainwashed. It's like he's still under their power mm-hmm. um, and, and has to do all their dirty deeds for them. But he also doesn't want to kill people and he wants to save people where he can. And he's basically like kind of learning that you, Batman will try and save everyone. Whereas Raptor says, you know, you let a few people take the fall, take, you know, you, mm-hmm. a few people die for, for, for a lot of people to live is basically his kind of his motto. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it, and it looks like Raptor is not as bad as Dick thinks he is. And this is a good story. Absolutely. And I like Tim Seeley because Tim Seeley is probably best known for his like horror comics. Um, so like Hack Slash and the very, very continuously excellent revival. Um, and I like him bringing some really like, this is the, this is the creepiest villain of all time. Like I'm assuming it's just a sort of couple of panels and then this villain's done for, but it's like, a woman who can a beast woman a massive woman who gives birth to these scary like fully formed humans who are sort of her minions and you've got this panel of like a, a woman coming out of the stomach of the other woman like already carrying out. a scalpel yeah. it's so good she cut herself out of there yikes Tim Seeley's Tim Seeley's scary he's a um, scary man one of my favourite moments from the Grayson run was when um uh, what's his name? Um, Midnighter showed mm. up and um, described. Uh, they said they, he's like he's fighting Nightwing, and um, he, Nightwing says like I've often described. I've, I've like Nightwing's my fighting style has often been described as jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, then he says, "Well, tell me, Midnighter, have you ever fought Robin before?" So he stop, he stops fighting his Nightwing and starts fighting his Robin, which he describes as punk rock. And then uh, and it's a goofy thing, yeah, but it's done really well. Cute. And then in this one, they um, he he brings it back, saying that like you know people describe my fighting style as jazz, but um, Raptor fights like a freestyle rap battle <laughs> <laughs> with no planning and just making it up as he goes along. Yeah, um, it was really cute. Cute, cool. So three three good DC comics. Absolutely. Can we ask for more than that? Yes, we can when we're reading everything. Because uh, even though Siobhan tapped out of a few comics, uh, I did. It was so nice. I did. So hard with the double shipping. It's too much, guys. Yeah. Chill see. Go back. Um, so let's start with Justice League number two because we both read that one, mm-hmm. written by Brian Hitch and art by Tony Daniel. I want to leave Tony Daniel out of all criticisms of this book because he's doing a. Just a completely adequate and fine job. I don't. I want to criticize Tony Daniel. Okay. Um, he's doing an adequate job, but not any better than that. I don't think his storytelling is up to scratch. This, like, It's an incredibly static feeling book at times. But I don't think he's been given much story to work with. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I hate, I hate just the, like, like, everyone's face is just grim and like completely static all the time. There's like no facial expression ever. You can't even tell who's talking half the time. You have to look at like whose mouth is open. No, and th- even then it's hard to tell. No, it's easy to tell who's talking because everyone says, hello, this is the Flash. My name is Batman. <laughs> I, just think, I just think like he's doing the most basic generic form of Justice League and I think we should be expecting better. Sure. Okay. Um Compared to what Brian Hitch is doing <laughs> with the story and dialogue, I actually think this might be the worst, worst iteration of Justice League I've ever read. It's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I, I just, uh, I really, really hope that this is like a six issues, and then they give it to someone else who can actually write their best characters. Yeah, and do something that isn't a complete bore to read. Totally, like give this. I don't know. I don't know who. DC have give it to Tom King. I know he's got a lot on, but you know, give someone with well, he's gonna, vision and he's got all, all of his comics are gonna oh vision. I get it, good pun. Um, uh, vision is ending soon, and, and Sheriff mm. of Babylon is ending soon. Mm. So uh, hopefully, Tom King will be freed up to do, to make DC good again. Um, and just a, it's a 
it's a very unspecific, poorly realized villain. I'm not. I don't care. I don't care about this like massive world ending attack because it's so it's so huge that there's no way they can fail. It's so boring. And they just they, they just move from one scene to the other. Like you know, we're going to go here now. Meet me at the watchtower. Mm. And then they're just suddenly at the watchtower. You know, pouting in front of a screen, and then they totally. go somewhere else. And also, we're going to talk about them next because I stupidly kept reading the book. But Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz. As Green Lanterns, I just no one knows Worst how to write Green them. Lanterns ever. No, I'm sure they're, they're, they're <laughs> like the ideas behind them. Like you know, she she has a lot of fear in her, mm. but has for some reason been chosen to be Green Lantern, and and he's like you know he doesn't trust himself, let alone his ring, which is why mm. he carries a gun around. Those are two interesting character attributes, mm. and you should be able to do something interesting with that. But no one is able to. Totally, and it's just like the same thing as like her Jessica Cruz going, oh, I can't make you know make things in my ring yet. What am I going to do? I wish I was a better Green Lantern. Like, she pushes that in every fucking issue she's in. And then Simon Baz is like, oh, I can't believe I got partnered with this idiot. Mm. I've got to do everything myself again. Blah, blah, blah. At least I'm not being held to attention as a terrorist. <laughs> like, that's every single yeah. ev- issue. It's it's very boring. Um, and also, there is no league without the Martian Manhunter. I know he wasn't in the new 52 Justice League, but thank you. Jim is supporting me. Yeah. Um, he, like, he, bring he, him back. For he, Christ's sakes, it doesn't... Just, yeah, you need someone in the watchtower at all times telling them where that what they should do next. Totally, and Martian Manhunter has like fits that role so perfectly, and he's such an important. He was always such an important part of the league, and he made the team work well together. And I feel like they're trying to make Cyborg fill that gap, and I just don't think it works especially well yet. Um, and just, also, just like, bring back Martian Manhunter. But Cyborg is like the perfect candidate for someone that works well on the ground. Like mm. he's 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 not the big the grand planner. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Marshall Manhunter, come back. Yeah, or at least... Yeah, sorry. I, I'm going to drop this. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry, official drop zone. Okay, I'll also add to the official drop zone, Green Lanterns number four um, by Sam Humphreys. I really want to like this. I know, I really, I like I Sam really Humphreys, wanted to like this comic. I like what he was doing at Nova. I like I like he's generally pretty good at channeling kind of younger characters. Absolutely. Um, and the art is fine. Um, it's by Ed Bennis and, and Robson Rocha. Uh, but it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Jessica doubts herself. Simon Baz goes in headstrong and then has to kind of pull back a little bit. The Red Lanterns are angry. Like, this is such boring, boring story and, and comic work. Uh, it really is. And I, 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 I you know, I'm, I'm, I hope, I'm hoping it's because they're about to do something really great when the two Green Lantern comics cross over or something and they, he has to hold back and do like one of these boring introductionary kind of stories. Mm. But... There's, I just I don't just found nothing to like about this comic. Yeah, I um, didn't even read it, and yeah. I still didn't find so it. I'm out. Like. I'm officially out. Green Lanterns. See you later. Welcome to the drop zone. Nice. Um, Green Arrow. I kept reading. Um, You're crazy, bro. Yeah, I should. I'm, I'm like, it kind of there's it, it's kind of beginning to kind of show it's more of its what it's trying to do. Uh, through this book, instead of just kind of introducing all these characters that you know are just going to betray Green Arrow at some yeah. point, um, you have like a kind of interesting um, underworld of villains that uh, all look all gross because they get tortured in order to show their like you know to prove themselves to this darker force. It's, oh, it's kind cares? of interesting, but I just hate. Why would you put Black Canary in a comic if you aren't going to use her screaming at people? Mm. Like that's her great best power. That's her only power, and yeah. she hasn't yelled once in this book. I want to see that Sonic scream, baby. Yeah. Um, where is it? Totally. What's the deal? Uh, I don't like this comic, but for some reason I'm less inclined to drop it like I did Green Lanterns. Okay. Um, I don't. I, I still think. Oh wait, no. They they introduce a hacker 
in this. Nice. Now I'm back on board. Like, I, I think history has shown that no comic is ever improved by introducing someone who is good at hacking. What about um, Oracle? Yeah, but that's different. She's more than just that. She's like an eye behind. Yeah. Like you know, she's she's wired into to what everything. About, but it's um, like it's like oh, I need someone to break into a laptop. I'm going to take yeah. him to my hacker friend. Right, right. It's so yes, dumb. It's such no. a boring trope. Absolutely. And it's never been done well or interestingly. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? Should I just be out of this? I think you should. To okay. be honest. All right. Bye bye, Green Arrow. If you don't think I should drop Green Arrow, if you like me are an optimist at all times, even when all signs point to you not being one. Write in, let us know why I should keep reading Green Arrow. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. The art's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think it looks, um, I'd like it to be inked heavier. Okay. But that's just me personally. This is you. Um, uh, serious issues at kingscomics.com or uh, find us facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. We love hearing from you. We love arguing with you. Absolutely. Drop us a line. Um, finally, I uh, was actually kind of glad that I didn't drop Aquaman. Really? Yeah, I like this issue. Um, Dan Abnett. And, Tell um, me more. Art by, uh, where is his name written? Briones is his last name. Um, you'll have to tune in next week for me to find <laughs> out what his first name is. Uh, this kind of continued the, his name is Philip, Philippe Briones. Nice. Um, this is just continuing the kind of, you know, uneasiness between the surface and the sea. Um, uh, Aquaman is letting the earth take him prisoner, um, but as a way of showing him, showing them, showing them mm. that he's willing to work with them. But Mera is more headstrong than he is and ends up breaking him out. And Blue. I'm actually kind of interested to see where this goes. Um, Black Manta is kind of, looks like he's actually going to be playing a bigger role and just like trying to stab Aquaman randomly throughout his life. Mm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think even though I was quite bored by the first two issues, I actually think the last two have been kind of pushing this story where, where someplace I want to see it go. And I I've, I've, haven't really given an Aquaman comic a chance in a long while. So, uh, Me neither, I suppose. And, I, and it, you know, I didn't really like that Jeff Johns was like, you know, Aquaman's edgy and dark and cool, just mm. like Batman, but he lives underwater. <laughs> that didn't really appeal to me. Whereas this is a... This is an Aquaman with hope, and and he really all he wants is for relations between the sea and the surface to be good, mm. and I kind of like that about him. Like he has a really really clear drive and purpose, and even when things aren't going his way, he's he is like a good character with heart. So I think that's what's keeping me reading this story. I suppose I feel like the Aquaman as ambassador kind of thing has been done before. I just don't find it that compelling. I I would like. More underwater adventures. I don't really like. I feel like they've tried. They have done the like. Let's make relations between the surface and the water people better well, a million yeah. times, and I'm 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 super bored by it. Well, I mean, this is interesting because he's a shit ambassador. He's really bad yeah. at this because everything <laughs> keeps going wrong. So hopefully, like that will mean he'll he'll have to only be in the sea or something. I just hope. I mean, if if the only good thing to come out of the DC cinematic universe is Jason Momoa, um, looking hot um <laughs> I'd, I'd love it if they brought that version you know make yeah. him make him polynesian and cool and relevant and not like this white blonde haired dude who lives underwater and i don't know i just find it mad boring all right well, give I'll, him a harpoon hand again make I'll, him a grizzly old sea captain <laughs> anything christ i'll keep i'll keep reading this one um, in spite of Siobhan's hatred um all right that's it for dc rebirth right now things are looking a little grim for dc rebirth and dc in general i think i think overall it's a good thing that they have done. I think if they continue to get creators like Tom King involved, then mm-hmm. it'll really improve things. I think that they're still relying. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hang on a stable of... 90s writers and um, lesser known artists to kind of push things push things forward and I don't think it works I think that it's just um, it's just what's his face Dan DiDio is still just calling up old old buddies and yeah, sure. wanting to recreate the 90s <laughs> yeah I, I was very excited to read a lot of these characters again because I hadn't read them in so long and I, 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 the, the double shipping really makes you tire of them a lot, a lot quickly than you thought than you should be totally absolutely yeah. and it's just it seems I just feel like we're not getting the best stories that we could be but I, I think that DC are doing some really cool things I mean there was this little um I forget what they're called, but a little freebie DC's Young Animals, um, if you were lucky enough to get into store quickly enough to get one of those, because we, they went really, really quickly, and yeah. now we're going for like 20 bucks on eBay. Young is Animals is, uh, is Jared Way from My Chemical Romance, and more importantly, uh, there's comics that he wrote that I forget Umbrella the Academy. Of. Umbrella Academy, the good one, and then the mm-hmm. one that was based off a of My Chemical Romance song. He oh, wrote, yeah. he wrote a whole Black series about it. Um, no, uh, but uh, he is uh, kind of taking over like a little, a little section of DC, namely... Uh, once famous kind of uh, Vertigo DC crossover titles like Doom Patrol mm-hmm. and uh, put together a, 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 a little list of creators. I think there's four four comics coming out of this imprint when it launches later in the year. Yes, there's going to be um, Shade the Changing Girl. Um, something called Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, which looks really cool and fun. Um, and Doom Patrol, or Shade the Changing Girl. Something called Space Case as well. And something called Mother Panic. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about all of these um all of these titles, like I have to say. Fun and trippy. Looks like weird. Looks weird. Grant Morrison influenced version of the DC Universe, which I am very down with. Cool. Over to Marvel right now for a pretty big handful of Marvel comics. Yeah. Should we Should we do Civil War Corner first? Might as well. All right. So I'll pull out all the Civil War books. I read 
two this week? Yeah, I think there wasn't. It was actually a really light Civil War week. Yeah. Which is fun. <laughs> uh, start with uh, Kingpin number two uh, by Matt Rosenberg and um, art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Uh, this is a really good series. Yeah, I mean, it's cool because it's one of those Civil War times that doesn't actually have that much to do with the main Civil War story. Kingpin, it just kind of yeah. uses a couple of ideas from it to tell a really, really good Kingpin story. So Kingpin's come back to town and he has an inhuman that Ulysses, who can see all the bad activities happen before they happen, um, for whatever reason, he can't see this inhuman or has, he has no idea what this inhuman's up to. Um, so Kingpin has enlisted him, and therefore that makes Kingpin the only criminal who's able to do crime uh, in, a, in the Marvel Universe. And the relationship between Janus and, um, and Kingpin is really adorable. Kingpin's, yeah. Kingpin's super nice to him. But that, that, that was a side of Kingpin that we saw in the Daredevil series mm. that I think Marvel had forgotten. Oh, no, he's, he's used quite well in all, all Daredevil comics, actually. Mm. But outside of that, he's just this big, fat villain. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this series. It's, it's you know, it's, it's pretty grisly and great at showing you all the different sides of Kingpin, and the art is so unique and cool. Mm. Um, and we're going to be getting an ongoing Kingpin's series from the same creative team, aren't we? Is that true? Maybe. Did I make that? I know, up? Ro- I know Matt Rosenberg is doing a few a few different series um, mm. after after Civil War Two. It may be one of them. Uh, yeah, I was I was really into this uh, into this story, and it's it, it feels like a like an image comic being published featuring Marvel characters. Absolutely, and I love. Um, there's a real amazing physicality that the artist um, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz brings to it. There's like there's just little things like there's a panel where Kingpin is talking and he's sort of looking down. And his eyes are sort of um, closed and he's got a hand on his head. And I was just like, you never even see like you never see people gesturing with their hands in comics. And so it's really cool to see someone actually thinking about those things and bringing that to it. Um, so I thought that was. It's a, yeah, it's a great issue. Yeah, really good. You don't, you don't need to be reading Civil War. If you liked Kingpin from um, the Daredevil TV series, pick this up for sure. Definitely. Um, I also read Uncanny Inhumans 12. Same. Um, this is kind of showing the aftermath after um, they blew up Stark Tower at the end of the last issue. Um, it wasn't well. actually them. It was Maximus the Mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and this f- has Maximus the Mad kind of revealing his intentions to, um, what's his name? Lash. One of the Inhumans mm-hmm. that kills other Inhumans, um, and, and I, I mean it's fun and fast paced, and I really like anything with Maximus the Mad, and it's probably my favorite Inhuman. Yeah, he's such a cool character. Um, but uh, the t- twist in it was really bizarre. What was the twist? The t- Lash reveals that it wasn't him that destroyed Stark Tower; it was Medusa to Medusa, and so I don't understand how. Oh, I think that the whole thing is like because um, the Inhuman there is a team of sort of inhuman terrorists who are saying that they are doing things on behalf of Medusa. So they are not connected to Medusa at all, but they are representing themselves as if they are a part, like they are representative of the inhumans. And so that is how the sort of Captain Marvel led team are taking it. And so they're trying to create more conflict between the inhumans and um, the regular humans. Okay, sure. Interesting. Which is quite like, I mean, it's. I think that's pretty compelling and pretty interesting. I think the stupidest part of this was when they go to the quiet room, which is the inhuman speakeasy I like that, underground. That's a, I, 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 I just I'd like to see, see more of that. The, the, the issues in, in, in the quiet room were really, really great. But, but. the thing that's stupid is um, Black Bolt in his tux with his really long scarf and then still with a little tuning fork on his head. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's he looks silly. <laughs> Just either have him in costume or have him in a tux. What's like? Anyway, it's fine. That's how he communicates with um, the teleporting dog, right? 
They both have I a chewy fork. Oh, yeah, I guess. I'd never really considered it. I just think he looks silly. No, it's great. Leave Black Bolt alone. <laughs> I wish they would do a, um, a Black Bolt comic. Yeah, more Black Bolt. Um, just like straight up Black Bolt comic. Totally. It'd be really fun. And like a, like a, a, a protagonist who can't speak. Yeah, yeah. It That's works really so fun. well. Uh, Moon Knight number five. We've uh, quite enjoyed this run by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and up until this point, it was just the two of them working on this book together. Um, but Greg Smallwood was joined by a plethora of some of our favorite artists working mm. in comics today. Uh, Wilfredo Torres, Francesco Francavilla, and James Stoko all popped up in here um, alongside um, some colors by uh, Jody Belair, Michael Garland, and then Francavilla and Stoko colored their own pages. Uh, this is like, this is again like an image book and i think that you could just pick up i think this is going to be an awesome one. Oh yeah more of a vertigo book totally um but just like a really cool comic that you can just recommend on its own it's just five issues self-contained doesn't you don't need to know pretty much anything else about moon knight i don't think um and i think i think it's a really cool little story on its own i really enjoyed it the yeah. James Decoe pages are so beautiful all the pages in this are, are yeah. incredible Frank Aviard, like real kind of like pulpy um vibrant new york street scenes um mm. really great and um i'm not too familiar with um wilfredo's work before wilfredo torres but his his stuff where it's straight up like uh uh like kind of like a film set because mm. that, that, that's the that's um a part of his split personality mm. so yeah, at one point mark specter was a was an actor mm. uh, living in la um yeah but so this is about moon knight kind of facing himself and then gonshu the um is it Gonshu? Konshu? Konshu? Yeah, Konshu. Um, uh, the Egyptian god the Egyptian who god tells give, him what to do. And giving him his powers. And uh, it's a pretty strange, vague ending that kind of has you question whether or not anything actually, any of this actually happened. Mm. Um, but I love that. I love yeah, it. It's so excellent. open-ended and it's so open to interpretation. And the art, like... Um, the main artist, uh, Greg Smallwood... Greg Smallwood, sorry. Um, just nailed it. Like, just knocked it out of the park. I think these are such beautiful, beautiful comics and such an interesting use of white space um yeah i love it yeah so it looks like we're now having we're moving moon knight from new york where he's been for the last few years back to la and he's back in hollywood baby yeah um, and they are uh, the, the cover of the next issue by um the incredible declan shalvey features um moon knight with a clapping board in front of him about to act amazing pretty fun um, and i Do think we know if it's the same creative team it's still lemire i think but i think it looks like um Wilfredo Torres, if you are kind of using what the the book closes out on, he mm. draws the last few pages of him waking up and realizing that he is an actor now. I think he's a producer. Anyway. Uh, uh, maybe, whatever. He works in, basically, he, I think he may he be drawing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. Great. Super fine. Um, great. Like, I think Incredible this will be such an too. awesome trade. Definitely. Moon Knight number five. Uh, you get the whole run when it comes out if you haven't been reading it already. Uh, Doctor Strange number 10, the finale of Last Days of Magic, which is the big event that Jason Aaron and Chris Pacello have been working towards since they took over the title last year. Siobhan, what did you think? I mean, this whole um, arc has felt pretty, like, meh. Like, I really like um, Chris Pacello. I really like Jason Aaron, obviously. But it's just felt a bit uh, underwhelming the whole way through it. And I feel like it never quite had the impact that it meant to have. And I think part of that's because Chris Pacello... Um, isn't the best storyteller no, a lot of the time. I, I totally like agree. His, was... his work is is beautiful and incredible and intricate and um, very different, but it can sometimes be quite hard to read, especially when he's really going nuts, as yeah. this is. When there's action scenes, it's just like, how did that happen? What, yeah, what, I don't why, know why what's is he going here? on. Who kicked that? What, whose foot is this? Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think uh, overall, I, I really like the idea of um, 
Doctor Strange's magic is only as strong as it is because people sacrifice mm. themselves to to take on his pain mm. so that he can channel dark magics to to defeat his foes. Um, and I, it looks like there's no more magic left in the Marvel Universe. So what is Doctor Strange going to do now? Absolutely. Well, the next issue apparently is the secret origin of Doctor Strange. So I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see that. I kind of don't care at the same time. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know if I need another origin story of Doctor Strange. We get it. He no, fought, but it's he, secret. Okay, right. Well, he, he didn't actually break his hands. He broke his feet. <laughs> um, this is definitely like it's still like a fun and readable book, but Absolutely. it's not my favorite Jason Aaron title right now. No, and, and I mean, it, you could, like it's definitely not his best one, and I feel like it's probably the one he spends the least time on. You reckon? Okay. There you go. Just personally. But like, yeah, I, f- I feel like it is quite high stakes for Doctor Strange to kind of make him a massive character before the movie comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Punisher, number four, Becky Cloonan and Steve Dillon on this one. A run that uh, has been a little underwhelming in that mm. it is kind of like Punisher by numbers. Mm. But there's still quite a lot to enjoy in this book. Um, certainly great action scenes. And it's always a pleasure to see um, Steve Dillon draw the Punisher and all the carnage that ensues because of his very existence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is one of those, like, it is, it's good Punisher comics. Um, but that's about it, you know, like it's not doing anything especially new or different. Um, and I mean, even just the fact of having Steve Dillon on the book again is very much like, remember that thing you liked? We're doing that again. Um, so I think that if you're like, we've spoken a lot about Nighthawk, um, and I think that's probably a better sort of revenge crime, like ultra violence comic, yeah, Yeah, whatever. Whatever Um, Punisher is. Um, but this is still good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoy the character of the um, uh, the agent Ortiz, mm-hmm. um, the DEA agent, who's mm-hmm. uh, hot on Punisher's trail at all times because mm-hmm. he fucked up their like their sting operation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's a really really great character, and it's probably the best thing about the series so far. Totally. Um, I wonder if they're going if she's going to hate Punisher for the entire run or end up um, being his ally. Mm. I assume the the, the latter. You got to assume, right? Yeah. Um, cool. Hmm. Um, Colors are really good too. I've, I've never seen never seen Steve Dillon's work colored as well as it has been here. It's true. It's really good. Vote Loki, number three, by Christopher Hastings and Langdon Foss on art um, and featuring, like, the reason you should be buying this regardless of the story or art within <laughs> is just the best covers in the industry right now by Trad Moore. I know. He's the best. He's so good. This cover in particular featuring uh, Loki as kissing kissing babies in front of a, a rally full of mm. screaming mothers with cute dressed-up children. Uh, um, I, like, I know I said this when we saw this cover couple of weeks ago but i wish i would try to do a book about babies yeah definitely <laughs> you're such good babies and uh, the, the final page of this book shows what uh, the cover for the next issue is which features loki holding an american flag and an, and an american eagle in the other hand in front of a bunch of people raising their fists so great it's, it's so ridiculous and fantastic and that is trad moore's specialty mm. so uh it's uh, perfect to have him on there um inside the book though is uh, a really fun story of loki running for president um featuring like the perfect art for this story and um, uh, a really, really interesting um, new character in a reporter who um, can't believe that Loki is able to run for president, doing everything that she can to to stop him, um, even though it's quite a helpless kind of venture. And it seems that whatever she does to try and stop him ends up working for him in his favor, which feels quite like, I mean, it obviously feels very prescient because of the insane U S election that's going on at the moment. Definitely. Um, And so there's a lot of like, mini references to that that are quite funny 100 percent, yeah yeah um I, I, i'm just yeah it's a really really goofy and fun book um 
uh, and uh, in this one, it, it, they go to Latveria, where mm-hmm. Doom has been missing. Um, uh, side note, he shows up in uh, Iron Man this week, which I meant to read, read but didn't get around to. I didn't read uh, it. Even though I, I've said that I shouldn't. I, I think I might start reading Iron Man, <laughs> and I feel like it's Civil War II's fault. Um, but, uh, yeah, this this book kind of takes them all to Latveria and shows that um, that that Loki is, isn't isn't the really, really great citizen that he claims to be. He's, you know, a- aiding... Basically, allowing situations overseas to to get really gnarly, so that he can then kind of use them in his favour um, as as a presidential candidate. But kind of when she reveals that, no one really cares, and in fact, it makes him a better candidate in their eyes. Fun stuff, fun yep. book, real fun, real fun. Uh, um, go for it. Well, I was going to say one that I read that I know you didn't read, but really, I like this. On the surface, this looks like a book that is not for me. Um, Deadpool versus Gambit. But man, this made me giggle so much. Um, after our extremely successful indie comic book day um, <laughs> and zine fair, I went home and read the most like mainstream comics of all time and just lay on the floor laughing about <laughs> um, Deadpool versus Gambit. But it really made me laugh. This um, So this is them sort of teaming up after they've been triple-crossed by this guy who keeps asking them to do missions and then fucking them over at the end. And so they're going on another mission for this guy. Um, and they split up and Deadpool gets... Um, what he describes as hands down the fanciest beating he's ever taken um, by this like incredibly graceful martial artist. <laughs> and there's like, I know that the sort of funny um, names of like karate moves is kind of a bit overdone, but there are some really funny ones in this like burning walk strike and the glorious elbow of revolution. <laughs> so while Deadpool is being beaten up, Gambit is um, having a threesome. Right. And that's why he that's why he misses out on the beating. Um, but <laughs> but they've both had their powers scrambled. So Gambit has this hilarious threesome, goes to kiss a woman's hand goodbye, and instead accidentally charges her hand because now he started charging organic material and explodes her hand, and then has to take her to hospital. <laughs> and it's really like I mean, there's so many like PS, really I, I funny. I to clarify, he was having a foursome. Oh, he was having a foursome. Apologies. <laughs> um, there were lots of bits that really made me giggle in this. Um, really funny dialogue, making the most out of these characters. Um, yeah, made me laugh a lot. All right, I really, I, I, I really I, recommend I have it. to go back and read this one. It looks yeah. really, really fun. Oh, Man Thing's in it. Man Thing shows up. Why didn't you tell me? For like I love Man half Thing. An issue. Yeah, that's really, it. really funny. I love it. Daredevil number one. Oh, sorry, Daredevil, the annual number one. Um, I haven't been reading Charles Sewell's Daredevil. It's a bit um, grim for me. Yeah, but uh, I saw that on the cover. This is the return of Echo. Was a character introduced by um, David? What's his name? Who does the paint? David Mack. Oh yeah. Um, in the issues uh, pre Bendis, and then was used by Bendis in both his Daredevil run and also in his Moon Knight run mm. when he was in LA. Um, Echo dies, and now has come back, um, and here she is in this book helping Daredevil take on Ulysses Claw, who is a bad guy comprised entirely of sound. Um, and how does she do that? By playing keyboard. And just jamming out to a song that that cancels out Claw's infectious melody. Um, it was pretty silly and fun, but I like that in a comic sometimes. Yeah, it was cool. There's a backup about um, Melvin Potter, aka Gladiator, which I could have definitely done without. Way oh, too yeah. grim and gritty, and just I, I didn't I didn't understand if it was this is something that's like you know going to affect the greater universe or it was just like an alternate kind of telling of mm. this guy. But I didn't like it either way. Not pretty boring. But good good to see Echo back. Mm. 
Did you read A Year of Marvels, The Unstoppable Number One? Oh, no, I didn't. There you go. Um, <laughs> this is a little anthology series collecting the um, little digital stories that they're telling uh, set in the Marvel Universe at various holidays throughout the year. So you have Nova and Invincible Iron Man uh, kind of teaming up. Iron Man basically tries to stop someone that he that he meets. Nova's trying to assist a bad guy that he meets on the first day of summer, um, the last day of school uh, kind of thing. Uh kind of it's fun whatever mm. it's a forgettable story and then we have a um uh, a story about bucky barnes the winter soldier um trying to take on hydra on the 4th of july and um i don't even remember what happened in this it was pretty f- oh yeah this is crap <laughs> it's real bad real bad one cool don't, don't pick it up it. don't pick it up the and it's written by chuck wendig so that kind of tells you that he's, he's the one that was responsible for that atrocious force awakens uh oh, retelling God. earlier in the year uh which is still going i think um, mm. But yeah, a year of Marvels I've really enjoyed. It's been quite fun and funny so far, but this is a bit of a step back. Um, and uh, I probably won't stop reading it because uh, the next one looks like there's a team up between Rocket Raccoon and... Um, Tippy the Squirrel. Tippy the Squirrel. Nice. So it's really fun to me. Uh, Silk, number 11, was the uh, last Marvel comic that I read. Mm-hmm. You read this one too? Yep, I did. And, and I went into this going like, oh, damn it, why am I still reading this series? But I end up actually quite like this issue. Yeah, Tanner Ford, who's taken over on art for this, is so good. Robbie Thompson wrote this one. He's been writing it since the start. Um, and even though um, there are way too many female characters with long hair and like black and white costumes in this series, so you've got um, Mockingbird, Black Cat, and now someone at the end who has like bug eyes. Who was that? Um, oh, I don't know who that who is. Who is that? I don't understand who the heck that is. Yeah, me neither. But uh, this is a fun story about revealing your your su- your your superhero identity to your friends. Um, you know, don't don't try and take on the burden of being a superhero and trying to take on the evils of the world alone. It's better when you involve your friends, even though it, you might kill you them might by kill the end him. of the book. She's probably going to kill them. <laughs> uh, I like this issue. Yeah, it was good. Guess I'm going to st- keep reading Silk. Good for us. All right, that is the end of Marvel, the end of Ooh. DC. Should we do Image now? Yeah. Okay, cool. This is, this is a big... We, we're, not, not, we're not quite at the, the heights of reading like 10... Um, image comics a week that I was doing at the beginning of the series. And you're uh, reading issues. more of these than yes, me. Yes, definitely. Considerably more. But uh, we had like six, or, I had six or seven this week. Yeah, um, well, we can I kick had. off with Paper Girls number Gin. eight, uh, written by Brian K. Vaughan and art by Ch- Cliff Chang. Uh, this story is insane and really hard to uh, describe to you if you haven't started reading it yet. Basically, it's about a group of paper girls who get transported from the 80s to today mm-hmm. and. Uh, they have, there's a bunch of crazy, mysterious Apple technology mm-hmm. and invading aliens and people from the future. And uh, three versions of one character now yeah. in the same timeline, which is really... Um, oh, man, there's there's so much going on in this comic and it's so consistently good and fun and compelling and there's so many mysteries that I'm really interested in and want to know, the, want to know what happens. Um, yeah, very yeah. clever. And it's so Brian K. Vaughan doing fantastic final page twists and like, you know... Just yeah. really, really getting you, getting you excited for the next issue. It's what he's best at. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I said last, last issue, last issue when we described it, which I loved. That you know, I, I, I wasn't sure about Paper Girls being as good as the other stuff that he's working mm. on, but this is really, really great stuff now. It really is, and it's cool that you get it on the off months that Saga isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's intentional or not, but it feels good. We still get a Brian Cable on. Very Fix. good. Uh, Paper Girls number eight. Um, there was something cute at the end of this too. Um, we always get like fun stuff. There's a good, uh, oh yeah, there's a crypto cryptography corner, um, in which he basically has written this message in his own language and everyone has to try and decipher it. And if you decipher it, you can win some stuff. 
So fun. I love it when paying, like when buying the single issues actually really pays off and benefits you because um, I think Brian K. Bourne is great. Like I love that there's a letters section. I love that, you know, he'll occasionally put an essay in or something like that or Mm -hmm. some fun activity. I mean, you can make a, there's a, a, poster if you get all of the like single issues you can pull yep. them all out and make a poster um yeah brilliant so good awesome um it's time for a little bit of rick remender i read two of his comics and siobhan read one i read one so uh, i've got uh, black science and low and you've got tokyo, got tokyo ghost. ghost um black science is probably my favorite remender comic ever now because he's stopped being doing these really really confusing way too many characters jumping through dimensions, trying to like just like and it's nonstop like grim, everyone's gonna lose vibe. It's now become like a like a, a comedy fantasy comic mm. in which uh, uh, a father is trying to win back the love and, and fix the, the her daughter's world that she's become the queen of. And to do that he has to steal the heart of a witch. Amazing. Um, and he just keeps he's still he's he's still terrible at everything he does. And but instead of it being like this, like you know, awful, like oh no, everything's turning to shit, you know, and, and this guy's responsible for it. It's like told from a comedic point of view. Amazing. And uh, it's Matera Scalera's artwork is phenomenal, and I'm 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 so glad I'm reading this comic because this, this is one of my highlight favorite favorite issues of the week. I think. Nice. Um, low. Um, was my favorite Rick Remender comic coming out a couple of months ago, but he loves doing this to me where I'll I'll be completely. Head over heels in, in in one of one of his issues and kind of not really understand why I'm even keeping up with the others. And uh, Low is kind of just being this beating you over the head with everything fucking sucks and mm. all these characters are just not going to even like they, they don't. None of them have had like a moment of glory in like mm. ten issues. Right. So I, I I really need that to to happen again for for me to kind of justify reading this super glib and gloomy mm. uh, take on a um, post apocalyptic scenario. Well, I read um, I read Tokyo Ghost issue nine, which I sort of every issue feels like it should be wrapping up, and then it just keeps keeps going. Um, so this is more about the bad guy of the series, Davy, whose plan um, he goes into like a sort of virtual reality world where he's racing Hitler, <laughs> Genghis Khan, and Osama bin Laden in like a sort of Mario Kart style track, what? and they're all like, "Man, I think that your I think your plan is a little bit too evil." Hitler's like, I think it's a bit too far because his plan is to kill all the humans and to download their consciousness like into a sort of internet cloud thing. And they're like, right. kill everyone. That's a bit that's a bit heavy, man. And he's like, whatever, shut up. Virtual reality Hitler, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of like a nature versus technology story um, where we've got one woman who represents the earth fighting this guy pretty much just with a sword and with some slightly ill-defined magic powers but it's pretty good okay i'm into it i'm still gonna um read it to the end sean murphy is so good and this is him having way too much fun yeah this is way more i, I stopped reading after the first issue of this and now but see this is the thing that. with remenda like his stuff is so up and down up and down yeah. and it sometimes it really pays off to stick through it sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't definitely <clears throat> um the walking dead number 157 kicks off the whisperer war part one of six um, they haven't done a, a kind of focused little mini series within the within the main series like this since All Out War, which is the big Negan versus Rick moment. And uh, it looks like Rick now has Negan as an ally, which is uh, wow. really cool. Um, 
main reason you should be picking up these if you um if you if you are someone that reads Walking Dead by trade or digitally, you should definitely be picking up the singles of this because the variant covers are by Arthur Adams. Yep. God, and, I love Art Adams. And this color is enough by to Nathan make me Fairbairn. want to read Walking Dead, which I've never read. Before. And they are six. If you get all all six of the issues of the Whisperer War, they all come together to make an incredible big artwork, which you can see as our King's Comics Facebook banner at the moment. If you go to facebook.com slash King's Comics. And it is extremely pretty. Um, this story just kind of sets up all of the players who are going to take uh, have, have big roles in this um, in, in this in this kind of event um, as uh, the Rick's teams and families go up against the Whisperers who have been the main threat um, in the last 20 issues or so. And the last page actually has uh, frames of about 16 different frames featuring characters whose lives are going to be forever changed after this event. Mm. And uh, you know with Walking Dead, it's one of the few books that follows up on making big calls like that. You know, they, they're, not, they're not afraid to kill a beloved character or mm. have something that's just you know, forever going to change that character's life. Um, or, and, and, you know, they don't really give a fuck if the readers love or hate someone. They'll do, do terrible or great things to the, that totally. character. Um, this, Kirkman is ruthless. Yes, absolutely. And this issue is different to all issues of Walking Dead before it because they have so much story to tell that they've actually started following a 16-panel grid pretty much the whole way throughout. So they're cram- cramming a lot of story in here, but it's still a breeze to read. And I'm just, you know, for every month get surprised by how good this book still is. And it's so nice. Like, I mean, I, I don't read it, but just looking at it, I love uh, it's the It's so occasional... nice. People die. It's so <laughs> lovely. <laughs> but I love the occasional black and white comic, you know? Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's really nice to read something every now and again in black and white. Um, another long-form uh, book that I've been reading since the beginning is Sex by Joe Casey and Peter Kowalski. Um, and uh, this is the, um, you know, Batman gives up being Batman and becomes Bruce Wayne um, kind of story. Um, and uh, he sucks at it. And um, there's still vigilantes and, and villains and supervillains in, in, in this world, but he just has to try and focus on the business amidst all the chaos. And there's so many different moving parts. I would actually compare it a lot to Walking Dead in that every issue is just like almost sometimes it's vignettes featuring these like, you know, 20 something main characters and you kind of advance each story a little bit each issue. But uh, there's a lot going on here, and it's really, really fun. I love this. I love this comic. Nice. Sex, um, trees is another comic um, that Image put out this year, this week. Um, written by Warren Ellis, art by Jason Howard. This has taken a little break, um, and we return to it. This is a really hard comic to describe too, in that you have uh, again like a, a lot of different characters, but they're all over the world, and, and it's all reacting to like uh, sometime in the future, these huge trees appeared. Um, like this basically came down from the space and pl- got rooted into the earth by aliens or whatever. They don't know what, no one knows what they want or what they're there for, but they killed heaps of people. And um, there's, they, they start releasing black flowers when something terrible is going to happen. Um, and so you have all of these completely seemingly unrelated characters um, dealing with the trees around the world. Um, but it's, you know, quite a few years after the trees have landed on the earth. So, most people are just kind of living around the tree, like, like happily and normally. But there's, uh, you know, the, at the moment we're focusing on um, someone who's investigate, like a scientist that's investigating um, the movements and growths of the trees. And then you have a, a mayor who's um, been elected mayor using dirty money, trying to um, kind of, you know, trying to make the world a better place for him. Um, and then little peers into other people around the world dealing with the way the future is with the existence of these trees. It's really, really cool. And, um, it's a great series. Mm. Trees. 
<laughs> it's also called Trees. It's fun to read a book that's called Trees. Fun. All right. That's Image wrapped up. Do you want to do Archie, Dynamite, or Vertigo next? Holy moly. Um, well, I only read the Archie and the Dynamite. So. Would you talk about, would you, I haven't heard your voice in a while, Siobhan. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about Jughead number eight, which is Chip Zdarsky's last Jughead. I know. And last week we didn't get to talk about it, but that was his second last Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah. What's so he going to do next? He's going to do Star-Lord oh, uh, yeah. with Chris Anker or not. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, what a good issue. Holy moly. Man. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Chip Zdarsky. Amazing run. You should feel extremely proud of yourself. And you should um, also come back. Do it Yeah, you should come back. Come back to the Archie universe because you get it. You get it so well and you get the voice of Jughead so well. Um, This is a fun story about sort of Archie and Jughead's friendship, which is cool. It's nice to see a sort of platonic male friendship represented in comics because I don't feel like that happens a huge amount. Mm -hmm. Um, Also deals with the fact that, you know, Archie is completely insane and girl crazy and Jughead as um, represented in this comic is asexual and so doesn't feel that. Um, And it's just, um, it's really nice and it has some of... It involves Weatherby. Yep, the bee. The, the bee, bee's back. Principal Weatherby. Um, and all the mantles, not just Reggie Mantle, but Mantle's family and, yep. the, and the long-standing rivalry between one of the older mantles and, and Mr. Weatherby. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And you also have a, a really sweet moment between uh, Betty, Jughead, and Archie at the end as well. Totally. Um, and in the next, as sad as I am to see, um, to see Chip Zdarsky leaving, we've still got Derek Charm on art who is... More than proven himself. Um, and we get Ryan North, who I think, you know, has proven himself so thoroughly on Squirrel Girl and um, other comics that I'm really excited. Well, and it's this perfect. Is... Th- th- those two are almost two peas in a pod. Absolutely. Um, and this is going to see um, Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, coming into, um, coming into the Jughead series, which I'm very into because I think that Sabrina and Jughead are two characters that have always been quite funny and worked quite well together. And the cover for the next issue is amazing. Yep, super good. Yeah, um, this, is, this has been a great series. I think um, anyone who's not sure on whether they um, like Jughead is for them should definitely go no further than picking up the first trade by Zdarsky. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, like they, they sort of uh, mention it in the back material because they, they bring... Um, there's always a little classic strip, classic strip um, in the back, and they bring you know the the person who um, introduces it talks about how well Chip Zdarsky sort of um, integrated the uh, tropes of the um, Jughead books, like the um, dream sequences and all that kind of stuff. That yeah, I think he just did. I think he did an amazing job of integrating that into a really good contemporary story. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm, uh, I'm I'm sad to see Zadarsky go because I feel like this is just the perfect comic for him. Mm. Excited to see Ryan North come on, Absolutely. and also excited to see what uh, Zadarsky is going to do next. Totally. <clears throat> um, over at Dynamite, we got uh, James Bond 007. Um, Edelon is the name of uh, this little arc written by Warren Ellis. Was this the first issue of this arc? Second. Yeah. See, I missed the first issue, so I think I'm just going to stick um, to reading this and trade. Jason Masters on art. This is such a good series. So fun. Oh, man, Warren Ellis is so good at writing James Bond. Yeah, him it's to ridiculous. Write the James Bond movies. I know, right? Totally. And he even does that, you know, James Bond sleeps with women all the time, mm. well and not offensively. Totally. The, this woman appears to be far more in control of James Bond than I've ever seen in a, in a, in a James Bond movie or whatever. Um, I love that, you know, she ties him up and stuff, like, or alludes to that. I think it's, it's really, really great. Um it's coolest to read a James Bond um, story that's set in in the States, mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. featuring American characters. Um, 
Yeah, I just really, really... This is just a, a perfect, perfect story. If, if you are a fan of Warren Ellis or you're a fan of James Bond or you're neither, really, and you mm. just want to read a good comic, this is such. This is going to be one of my top five comics of the year for sure. Wow, amazing. Um, and I was not expecting anything from it when I picked it up, that issue up, um, issue number one when mm. it came out. Yeah, I love this. I'm, glad, I'm really glad you're reading it. I, I, can, I can try and find the... Uh, Issue seven of it, so you can read it. No, I enjoyed reading like the first um, story arc Varga, which is now available in hardcover. Um, I really enjoyed just reading that as one whole story. I think it um, like as much fun as I'm sure it is reading it issue by issue. It also yeah. really works just as a trade. Oh, Ellis definitely writes for trade, yeah. definitely. Um, Control number three came out. This is the uh, crime book written by Andy Diggle with art by Angela Cruikshank. Um, I think this is the strongest issue that came out so far. Yeah, I think it's definitely the strongest issue, but I'm still a bit like. I don't care, especially. Right. I think, yeah. I really, I really enjoy the main character. I think she's she's great. You know, like the grizzled cop that has a dead partner and is trying, even though the, the, the like trying to basically get the support of the force to help her solve the big crime. Um, and then you have the you know the government, the the you know local member of the government uh, involved in a massive scandal and is trying to keep the, the detective at bay so nothing will come out further. It's interesting. I mean, it is something you've probably read before, but it's, it's, it's told really well. And I think Angela Cruikshank's art is really, really great. And this is what Andy Diggle is, like, good at. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Control. Hmm. Pretty great. Hmm. Oh, why don't I leave these ones till last? Unfollow number 33 and The Sheriff of Babylon number nine. These are my two, the two Vertigo books that I'm reading every time they come out. Um, Unfollow, written by the same guy that we complained about at the beginning of the show, um, Rob Williams. Um, and uh, this had a guest artist on it. Um, uh, I wish I was better at finding the page immediately. That we should maybe write this down. Rob Williams um, with art by Ryan Kelly. This is um, a story. Basically, it's about um, 140 people uh, have been announced that they will inherit the billions upon billions of uh, someone who dies. And uh, every time one of them dies, they inherit even more money. And so the the list. Uh, is current, currently now stands at the end of this issue. We are at 130? 130. So 10 have died. Wow. And uh, quite a few of them die within this issue. Um, there's it just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's really fun and, and, and clever and just a really great adventure concept that I've not seen before. There's a lot of characters at play and no one really knows what they're doing or, or, or how to keep themselves safe. Yeah. Mm. This is another one that, like, I... Um, really enjoyed the first trade of more than I thought I would, and I'm excited to I'm excited to keep reading it and trade. Yeah, this is like the comic that I'm the most scared of being cancelled <laughs> because I really I really hope it's. You can tell it's an extremely long form, like sixty mm. issue story for yeah. sure. Um, and given you know the recent Vertigo announcements, like they fired Shelley Bond yeah. and um, they uh, they they're announcing this young. What is it called? Young thing Young animals? Young animals imprint, which is doing pretty much what Vertigo does. Mm. I'm really, I really hope they don't axe Vertigo midway through this series or something like that. Yeah, fingers crossed. That'll be really heartbreaking. Um, Chef of Babylon, issue 9 of 12 came out. This is by Tom King and Mitch Jarrods on art. I mean, I don't know what I can tell you at this mm. point beyond you should be reading this comic. I mean, it would help if my, my co-host would start reading it. I'm reading. I'm halfway through the first trade. Okay. This is, I mean... It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think this. I think this is the best comic this year. It's wow. also like completely tragic and horrible. Mm. But um, so it's hard to be like, oh my god, it's so great! You gotta <laughs> read it because it's just you know so many horrible and sad things happen in this very you know real world comic mm. um, about about uh, you know a, a, 
a sheriff in in Baghdad and an army, a guy from the army that basically is put in in charge of liaising between um, local authorities and and the army in Baghdad during the war. Doesn't um, sound like a ton of laughs. No, I mean, there are laughs within it, um, but uh, just the way it balances its three main characters and and the dialogue. Uh, between them all is just like it's perfect comic perfection and Tom King is relatively young in his comic book career and for him to be writing something that is just so fantastically perfected is mm. it's it's baffling to me. It is crazy how he just seems to have kind of appeared fully formed out of nowhere. Totally. Well, he, he cut his teeth on like nine issues of of Grayson mm. and then just went just went, launched, went, into, launched it. into it from there. I read an interview with him um because he was, you know, famously Previously in the CIA, which is what gives this book such like sorry, that, yeah, incredible yeah, the um, of realism. Babylon, the sheriff of Babylon himself is a CIA agent. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, and but before he joined the CIA, all he wanted to do was write comics, and so I think he studied that for ages and had a lot of stories that he wanted to tell, kind of built up, and then has his own life experience to kind of add to that. Um, he's just so brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do a best best of the end of the year episode, yeah. obviously when it's the end of the year, but. I would be extremely surprised if any any writer besides Tom King gets our author of the year. Mm. Maybe Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron. I don't know. I mean, like he, Jason Aaron's got Doctor Strange as a scratch to his name, in it's my true. opinion. Star Wars is is not as good as I mean. So that, so that if he only that's the funniest thing. Jason Aaron is so prolific. He does mm. so much stuff. Southern Bastards and his Thor run are perfect to me. But while still good, Doctor Strange and Star Wars aren't as good. Whereas Tom King, Omega Man, Sheriff of Babylon, Batman, Vision. Yeah. They're all five out of five comics for me. It's true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Interesting stuff and a spoiler alert for our end of the year podcast for sure. <laughs> um, I can't wait to do that. I'm very excited. Yeah, totally. It feels like, like the, the reward we give ourselves for doing a podcast for an entire year. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, did you want to talk about any other books this week? Well, I did want to mention um, one that I read this week, which was uh, out through Oni Press and Rosie Press. This was originally a digital, um, digital comic, I think, um, but it won a bunch of awards and became a huge deal and so they've printed it it's called fresh romance very exciting for me because we never get contemporary romance comics and romance comics are something i have um an especial love for and um this is really good fun i hope that they continue to do it it's got um the first story is by kate leth the second story is by um marguerite bennett i think there's lots of yeah lots of heaps of people um and it's just it's really good fun i think um you know my issues with kate leth still kind of show up in this in that um her characters I, I mean i was talking to a friend who'd also read her story from this and she said it just feels like fan fiction right and i think that's something that really speaks to me as someone who read a lot of fan fiction as a teenager <laughs> it's just it's slightly adolescent not totally realized characters um and everyone's a little bit too perfect and sweet right, or sure. something it just doesn't quite mesh for me but it's still a fun story and the um Georgian era Jane Austen esque story in it is a particular joy to read, and I really, really loved it. So that was your that favorite was, of the three. Yeah, absolutely. That's by Sarah Vaughan and uh, by Sarah Winifred Searle. Um, so good, so cool. I love it. I want more. I want more. Um, I want more Jane Austen style comics, please. I'm looking forward to getting through this this week. Yeah, it's out now through Oni Press. You can get it at King's Comics. Um, I'm also looking forward to getting through uh, some of the zines and independent comics that we picked up at the zine fair over the weekends yeah um in particular um the uh, the comics that i got by um what's his name joyce. louis joyce louis joyce um I national bought, treasure louis joyce i bought 
is it Mishmash? Is that the name of his comic? Yeah, Mishmash I, is an ongoing series that he does, and he also had one called Astral for Sale, which he's just finished the first issue of. I paid like forty bucks and got everything that he'd ever written. Nice. So I'm looking for, and then, and then I just pledged to his incredible Kickstarter for um, this one called Past the Last Mountain. Uh, you should definitely check out Louis Joyce's website if you want to see some incredible local comics, comics made and produced and written and drawn in in Sydney. LouisJoyce.com. Um, Absolutely, and we will we'll be stocking um, Mishmash in store soon. I Amazing. Think. So keep an eye out for that. Also looking forward to uh, reading Catnapped and uh, The Tilted Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find out more about these comics, listen to our bonus episode that we put out last week all about independent comics in Sydney and zines and uh, the independent comic sale that was at King's Comics over the weekend. Yeah, thanks everyone for coming down to that, by the way. It was an absolute... I had so much fun um, hosting it. All of the um, zine people, um, zine creators, <laughs> tabling were um, an absolute joy to have and it was a really, really good fun day. So thanks everyone. Amazing. And we'll keep you, keep you up to date with um, any, any um, more events and sales that are coming up uh, in, at King's Comics in the future. Um, we will uh, try and answer a few questions. No, let's do it now. Yeah, let's do it now. Why not? Why not? Well, let's, let's go for two hours today. Uh, Joel Turner wrote to us uh, facebook.com slash serious issues podcast is uh, where you can find us on Facebook or email us serious issues at kingscomics.com and ask us a question for us to answer on the show. Um, Siobhan is going to read out his his email right now. He said, um, I'd just like to thank you too for getting me into Tom King and Nick Spencer. They rocketed their way to the top of my favorite creators list. Hell, I'm even catching up on Ant-Man because of Nick. His Sam Wilson Captain America run is phenomenal and way more fun than I expect Marvel's flagships to be. I'm too used to Bendis. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, since I'm new to them both, is there any of their older stuff that you'd recommend? Otherwise, I'll just read and reread the vision until I understand how Tom makes it so good. True. Cool. He's amazing. Yeah. And we just pretty much said every comic he's ever written. Yeah. I mean, you've got Grayson, The Robin War, um, that he wrote over at DC, um, before, and then he did The Omega Man mm-hmm. and Batman, um, and then uh, Vision for Marvel and Sheriff of Babylon for Vertigo. And then I think he did a, um, a short story in a Vertigo compilation, which is free on the Comixology app if oh, you, you want to go check that down. Um, <clears throat> I highly recommend um, Omega Man, Sheriff of Babylon, and Vision, I think they're the, the three strongest uh, stories that he's written so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so great being like him being at this level already in his career. It is amazing. You imagine what he's going to go on to do. For him to be, you know, writing Batman after only really writing comics for I mean, less than five years is super duper crazy. Yeah, and it's exciting. Really nuts. Um, I haven't read all of his Grayson stuff. I'm in the process of trying to get through that now. But as you can imagine, we're already reading forty comics a, a week. So reading anything old is is uh, is always. Very difficult to do. But that is definitely on my list of things to go back and reread now because yeah. I didn't really give it enough attention at the time and now I now I want to go back and read Sexy Spy Grayson Adventures. Definitely. But uh, yeah, The Omega Men we've talked about on the podcast before. It's a um, very bleak and um, massive kind of space opera mm. um, about Alpha uh, Omega trying to defeat Alpha, basically. Amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, re- I really, really enjoyed that. It was a lot, lot of, lot of uh, unfamiliar DC characters um, introduced in there um, and, a, and a really really fun space comic which uh, for some reason even though there are so many space comics very few of them are great these days mm. so make space comics great again you guys <laughs> uh, Tom King uh, Tom King th- th- those are definitely what you should go I mean, Absolutely. you should be reading Sheriff of Babylon if you haven't already Sheriff of Babylon is he's probably the best thing he's done yeah I am like I think probably three issues in and already it's amazing so definitely um, check that out and then Nick Spencer um, I uh, 
we, we, we thought about this for a little bit. Well, we yeah. should, I, I should have checked up his page, but th- what comes to mind straight away is um, my favorite thing he's ever done is Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which came out through Marvel, um, was written with Steve Lieber, and they're now doing the fix together. Mm. Uh, Superior Foes of, of Spider-Man is about, about a bunch of like D to G list Spider-Man villains um, teaming up to become the new Superior Six, even though there are only five of them. Um, and uh, they none of them can trust each other, and none, they all like you know betray each other, and it's really really silly and fun, and the main you know all, all the characters are despicable in their own way, but weirdly likable still. Mm. And I think that's you know that's that's one of his biggest uh, traits is that he's able to write write pretty shitty characters that you still like for whatever reason. And he's very um he's very good at mining old stuff for obscure characters that he can sort of play around with and no one will get too upset about. Which is what he's doing in Ant-Man right now. Yeah. And I mean, like, I I, I didn't enjoy Superior Foes as much. I don't know why. I think, yeah, I think I've said before that I don't think Nick Spencer writes especially good female characters and that sort of makes, I feel like, a little bit alienated from a lot of his work. Um, I think my favorite thing that he's ever written was a three-issue Jimmy Olsen miniseries um, that was like a backup story, I think, in Superman a couple of years ago that was then collected into a one-shot. Um, and that was totally brilliant. I think you you could probably still track that one-shot down on eBay because I don't think it's been collected anywhere else. But that's like my favorite thing he's ever written. It was so good. More Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Um, he uh, he w- After that, he was meant to actually write a Supergirl run with DC, but they axed it. And that was going to be like Supergirl at school and it was going to be very youthful and fun. (laughs) Unfortunately, we never got it. Um, He's done quite a few um, of his uh, own creator-owned stuff, most famous of which is um, Morning Glories, which I've read maybe the first 20-something issues of. It just just last month did uh, issue number 50. Um, And that's about like a um, school for assassins, but there's something darker at play there. Mm. It's, it's, It's pretty convoluted and very complex storytelling. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one to recommend month to month, but I think if you were to pick up the first, like the first trade is fantastic. Morning Glories. Yeah, I tapped out of that pretty early because it felt like there was a lot of stuff being set up, which even you know a couple of story arcs in, there were not. You weren't getting payoff for, and I'm not someone that needs things to move especially quickly. But I just was like, why am I reading this? I still have no idea what's going on, and I don't understand anything. And all <laughs> the female characters were really annoying. Um, so I don't know if it's one that will, you know, is worthwhile for me to go back and read the trades of because it was compelling and there was definitely some like cool sort of almost Buffy-ish vibes in it um, that I was into. So I need, to, I think I need to go back and reread that and give it a second shot. Finally, he wrote some comics alongside Jonathan Hickman um, when Hickman was doing um, Avengers and New Avengers. Nick Spencer and and he wrote it alongside Hickman to begin with. Wrote um, Avengers World which um, had some great comics featuring Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. And he's the reason that um, Sunspot is now... Is it Sunspot or... No, what's his name? Um, Robert, Robert Aguero or whatever. The, what's, what's his superhero name who's now in, in charge of AIM? I can't remember. Whatever. Whoever the, in, in New Avengers now. Yeah. The guy who's, you know so, so Nick Spencer wrote that, and that's a really, really fun run too. Mm. Avengers World. It's only, I don't think it's that many comics. Maybe 10 to, to, at most. Um, 16 comics of Avengers World. Really, really fun. Um, cool. So that's our our Nick Spencer and Tom King recommendations. Thanks so much to Joel for writing in, and we encourage you to do the same. Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or Serious Issues at kingscomics.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also ask us a question on Twitter now. Oh um, Twitter.com slash Serious underscore underscore issues. Double underscore. Double underscore. Two underscores there. And uh, we, thanks to everyone that's followed us so far, all 30 of you. It's pretty depressing over there. <laughs> Please uh, shoot us a follow if you want to make me feel better about my day. Um, 
And uh, finally, to talk about on the show before we finish up, uh, coming out this week, we got a relatively small week of comics compared to uh, like, guys, we're not even going to crack 30 comics this week. I don't know what what I'm going to do all this free time (laughs) I'm going to have this weekend. Um, But the uh, ones that stand out, um, All-Star Batman, which is Scott Snyder returning to Batman after the main Batman comic of New 52. Um, A big rollicking adventure featuring Tom King um, driving across a... Sorry, not Tom King. Featuring (laughs) Two-Face. I don't even know why I said Tom King then. Um, they they have the same amount of letters in their name: Tom King, Two Face. Anyone pointed out before? Coincidence, I think. So yes. All Star Batman um, starts ne- this week. Also, Deathstroke um, makes his uh, entrance in DC oh, Rebirth as goodness. well. Big, big you know what annoys me? What's that about Deathstroke? Um, is they have totally retconned out his family, which was the whole flippin' like. Well, I don't actually know if they have, but they don't talk about his children enough. Right. They don't talk about um. Jericho, right, the he, guy with the big mutton chops from Teen Titans. Well, he's like, well, he's amazing. A, well, he's mainly a, a Teen Titans villain. Yeah, like Deathstroke was a Teen Titans massive villain. massive because of that. It's so yeah. stupid. He's like, anyway, it's fine. <laughs> I, I hope it isn't going to be like their analogy of like Deadpool or, or Cable. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what Deadpool originally was. Deadpool was originally a parody of Deathstroke. That's right. Um, so it's just like, imagine if Deadpool didn't have jokes and wasn't self-aware. That's what Deathstroke <laughs> is. Um, so uh, Siobhan's looking forward to that one. Um, we, also get, we also get Superwoman, which is Lois Lane taking up the mantle of Superwoman. Which Lois Lane, though? I don't know, yeah. The um, usually two version or the, or the current one? I don't, I don't know. We also get Black Monday Murders, first issue of that, which is the new Jonathan Hickman series, which could be very exciting. Yeah, it's his first um, comic. I mean, obviously, we get East of West each month, but this is his first uh, comic since he stopped doing stuff at Marvel. What the hell happened to his other comic that he's only put out like three issues of? Uh, through image it's really beautifully drawn it's amazing but it just kind of like stopped after three issues was it secret no I think that that wrapped up his arc but this one's like I can't remember what it's called but it's really really good I just I don't know we we haven't read it also what happened to his shield comic there's two issues left of that oh yeah that's a brilliant comic and they said we were gonna get that this year what the hell Hickman you suck Marvel also if anyone else is reading Black Panther no one else is reading Black Panther who likes it and I like it a lot and I want to talk to someone who likes Black Panther we're getting issue five of that this week I'm still reading it yeah but you don't like it (laughs) I want to like it though isn't that admirable in some weird way no Um, also, through Marvel, we get The Accused, number one, which is a Civil War tie-in. Um, there's two. One's called The Accused and one called, one's called The Fallen. I think The Fallen comes out next week. But it's about dealing with the aftermath of the Hulk being dead now. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone needs that. But it uh, features a cover by David Mack, who we talked about earlier in the show. Cool. Um, and uh, we also get issue 10 of Vision by Tom King. Very Amazing. exciting. Very exciting stuff. Um, so we'll see you next week on another episode of Serious Issues. If you uh, want to find us online, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or send us an email to Serious Issues at kingscomics.com. We love hearing from you. Again, that Twitter is twitter.com slash Serious double underscore issues. And you can find Siobhan and I on Instagram and Twitter at SiobhanCBG. Mm-hmm. And I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Um, if you have a moment, why not tune into one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam and is about two idiots reviewing pop culture. We're going to go in-depth analysis and uh, rag all over uh, Suicide Squad tonight. So look forward to that. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, and, uh, I really want to hear one- what Angus thinks of Suicide Squad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he hates it. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, I've got a food, a food podcast called The Mitchin, which is making its triumphant return to the podcast Airwaves this week um, with a... Interview with the guys who run Moon Park in Sydney, which oh, is cool. lots of fun. 
Um, and finally, if uh, you like this podcast, head over to iTunes Store and leave us a nice review. We got a really nice review this week, and uh, it was really nice. And they said that um, it, we were a good comic book podcast with Aussie banter, Aussie humor, Aussie humor. So, um, ring a ding. What, what, what do Aussies <laughs> say? I don't know. <laughs> Ridgy didge, mate. Yep. Bon- Thank, thanks, Cobber. I'm just yep. being. It's Captain Captain Boomerang dialogue. Yep. <laughs> Um, man, in the like the Don Masterander's Suicide Squad run, mm. uh, uh, Captain Boomerang says real fucked up uh, terms for Aboriginal people constantly. <laughs> well, that's that's at least pretty accurate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. It's pretty great channeling of Bogan. Yeah, I but, feel like if Captain Boomerang was a real Australian, he would 100 percent be a Pauline Hanson voting oh, shit. racist Australian. Don't you reckon? Yeah, we, they deleted the scene um, from Suicide Squad where Jai Courtney votes One Nation. <laughs> Anyway, that's our show this week. We will see you next week. Serious issues. We'll be back. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.